Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. And welcome back to Under Review. I'm Greg. He's Steve. And we're recording about a few days away from official Capo Caco Day. So we're super excited about that. And I'm sure everybody else in Rangerland is as well. So how's it going, Steve? Uh, yeah, man. The Caco fever has taken over here in Austria. Well, at least in my house. Um, I'm, just, I'm just really excited. It's, it's, it's just a few days away. And... I'm prepared. I have my jersey all washed up and folded. Uh, my TPS hat is ready to go. I I looked for my passport today just in case. I, I already packed my bag and it's still five days away. So I cannot wait. It's going to be a 13-hour flight, but it's going to be so worth it. Yes, yeah, so you're leaving what, in the morning? Yeah, I'm. Uh, my flight leaves at 7 in the morning, Central European time, which is 1 a.m. Eastern. Uh, and then I land around 11 a.m. local time in Vancouver, which is 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and the draft starts 5 p.m. local time. So I have about six hours from the, the moment I land to get to the arena. Hmm. Gotcha. That's interesting. Um, so, yes, yeah, so you're, you're basically going to get there and, I guess, run right to the arena pretty much? Uh, well, probably drop off my stuff at the Airbnb quickly, get a quick shower, and then take a taxi to Rogers Arena. Gotcha. Sweet. All right. So um, before we get into our topics, just want to let you guys know that we have the, the draft analyst on today. Um, so we're going to be talking tons of draft stuff, tons of prospects and, you know, lots of, um, you know, all the you know, few guys who are, you know, absolutely nuts about, you know, uh, amateur hockey and nuts about, you know, the prospect pools and, NHL drafting and what the Rangers are going to do this year. Um, stay tuned. That's going to be pretty exciting that we're going to get to later on the show. But before we get to that, there is a bunch of um, some NHL news, some little Ranger news, a couple of things we want to kind of touch on before we get to before we get to Steve. So let's get to that first. So obviously, the first thing that we're going to cover today is the fact that we have a Stanley Cup champion for the first time, the St. Louis Blues are the 2018-2019 Stanley Cup champions. And I'm pretty pumped about that. I mean, obviously, I can't stand Boston, so that's a one reason to be excited about it. But what I'm really excited about is that a new, another new face gets added to the Cup, and it's a team and a franchise and a city that deserves it. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm always excited when a new team wins the Cup. Uh, last year, it was Washington. This year, it's St. Louis. And this is the first time since 2006 and 2007 we have two new champions in a row. Um, and the whole St. Louis story is even better when you look at how their season progressed. They were last in the league on January 2nd. And somehow they made it all the way up here. They made it all the way to the Stanley Cup final to win a game seven away from home and to win a cup that no one expected. It's it, it has been a great ride. And even as a Rangers fan, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I enjoyed the postseason. I enjoyed four wildcard teams making it to the second round. I love that. I love that we saw so many upsets in the postseason. 
And to see a team like St. Louis win with a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, who was basically done in Buffalo, and a year later, he, he just hoists the cup and wins the Conn Smythe Trophy. There are so many great stories on that team. Um, yeah, Larry Robinson, who's their team consultant, he has 10 Stanley Cup rings now. He won six as a player with the Canadians, uh, three with the New Jersey Devils franchise as an assistant coach, and now with the, with the St. Louis Blues, he's a, he has 10 rings. I mean, his, his fingers are covered. Um, yeah, we need we need to find a way to hire him just for good luck. Yes, yes, yes. Just bring him up, bring him to the Rangers because some great things happen when Larry Robinson is part of your organization. Yes. Uh, but I mean, there's so many great stories on that team. I don't know where to start. I mean, the the, the little girl Le- Layla, you know, everyone. Oh, that's knows. An, that's an awesome story. I don't know. If everyone knows her. Everyone the has it. Yeah, the way that organization embraced that whole story. I mean, I've seen videos of her and. And yeah, there are moments where I'm a little bit annoyed by always, you know, kids, you know, getting all the free stuff and blah, blah, blah. And, and kids using or parents using their kids to get stuff from hockey players. But this is totally different. I mean, they they fully embrace that whole story and it couldn't have ended any better. It's it's like a book. It's perfect. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's it, it is it is about as amazing of you know, a story as you can possibly have. And, um, I mean, it, 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 I think, I think it's, it's, I don't think it's outrageous to say this, but I think it captured the, the hearts of anyone who's a hockey fan. If you're a hockey fan, you just love this story. Yeah. How could you this not? Is the spirit of hockey. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So good for St. Louis, you know, good for the, good for the city, good for the franchise, good for hockey in general. Um, so, and it was kind of cool when, after they wanted to see how many F-bombs were dropped on national television, that was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, 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 that, that was, I mean, I, I live in Europe, you know, uh, in Austria, I grew up in the Netherlands. We don't really care about, about the word fuck here or there, you know, there's, we are much more, uh, uh free and, and, and we're much easier when it comes to, you know, uh, a casual fuck here or there. And, and in the U.S., uh, I, I watched actually the video on YouTube the next day, and I had to mute because they censored every time someone said fuck, and it was basically a, a truck backing up. That's what it sounded like. That's pretty crazy, man. Yeah. That's pretty but, crazy. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it's been great for them. And, and like I said, seeing a new team win the Stanley Cup is always fun. They, they, the last time they made the final was 1970. Yeah, and that and that's a totally different era too. I mean, that that's back when the you know the expansion happened. Well, the only reason they made the final three years in a row is because of the way the league was set up at the time. You know, you had the expansion with six new teams, and the original six was in one division, and the six new teams were in the other. So there was always going to be one of the new teams in the final, and it just happened to be the Blues three years in a row. Right. But the fact that they didn't win a single game in those three Stanley Cup final appearances shows you the difference in, in quality between the original six and the expansion six at the time. So this, this was completely different. I consider this their first real Stanley Cup final appearance. Yeah, I, I, would, I would probably, I mean, even though technically it's not, I would, I would kind of agree to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good for them. You know, this is, this is, it, it's an awesome story. Um, and I think, the other, I think the other amazing thing is um, they were the best team in hockey since January. Um, you yeah. know, yep. I think that people don't realize it's not like they were, it's not like they opened up the season as Stanley cup favorites. It's not even like around Christmas time, people were pegging them to be in the, 
to be a favorite or even in the playoffs. Heck, they were the worst team in hockey before January. And then since then they were the best team in hockey. And they just they yeah. just they never um they you know they, they just rode that high all the way. And I think another interesting thing is how many road games they won. They were like the road warriors. Uh, yeah, someone asked me to look it up actually. Uh and um I think they are the first Stanley Cup winning team to have uh, more wins on the road than at home. Oh, see, I, I didn't even know that little nugget, but that wouldn't surprise me by the way they played. But it's just really cool how they were they were totally unfazed by playing on the road, and they were absolute, you know, road powerhouse. So kudos to them. Awesome to see that. But, you know, now let's get to the 2019-2020 season because now officially we close the chapter of, the you know once the Stanley Cup is is awarded we can move on to um to the new season so with that you know we have some some new stuff happening the Rangers are kind of now in full circle and now it's their time to shine where we've got the draft happening we've got trades that are coming through we've got lots of rumors we got lots of there's going to be lots of action for the New York yep. Rangers over the next month or so so let's start off by talking about a couple kids here Steve. Yeah, um, we haven't mentioned this on last week's episode because we we recorded for over four hours with Michael, and you know we just didn't have a chance to uh, to put this in there. But um, Rangers signed Tarmo Reunanen, a Finnish defenseman, to his entry level contract, uh, which I'm really excited about. Um, there is a clause in his contract that he can go back to Finland if he doesn't make the NHL team, so it's either NHL or back to Finland for him. But I think the nice thing for um, um, for Reunanen is that you know there's no uncertainty anymore for him, for the Rangers as well, because next year his rights would expire, so they they avoid uh, a nasty situation uh, by signing him now. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's good. Uh, you know, the Reunanen has had a great a great season, absolutely wonderful, um, and also. Um, the, the other the other kid uh, Niels Lundqvist that that's still in Europe um, drafted in the first round last year um, he has had a great season uh, I read an article in a Swedish newspaper earlier this week uh, where he was interviewed and said he was going to New York uh, he's flying to New York next week to attend the prospect camp and meet all the new prospects and I think that you know is in line with what we've seen the last year and a half or, or maybe even two years where prospects are much more uh, part of this organization than they were in previous years. Even though they're not, they're not on the contract, you know, they are part of the organization. Um, Lundqvist has said that he prefers to stay in Sweden for another year, which I agree with, because he's not NHL ready yet. Um, and I think next season is going to be huge for him. Um, Jesper Selgren is signing with the Carolina Hurricanes, his teammate on Lulia. And the coaching staff in Lulia has said that they want to pair Lundqvist with Eric Gustafsson on the top pair. So we, we, there's a pretty good chance that one of our prospects at the age of 19 is going to play top pair minutes in the Swedish league, which is huge. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. So, the, and you know, the, the news just keeps, keeps coming in every week. There's something to get excited about for Ranger fans and, this whole offseason started, for me at least, on April 9th or April 10th, because it was after midnight for me, the draft lottery. That's when the, when the offseason of, of brilliance, you know, the most, the most wonderful offseason of my lifetime started. 
<laughs> we we got the second. Think about it. we got the second overall pick in the draft lottery. We signed Kravtsov. We signed Shostyorkin. We signed Rikov. We traded for Adam Fox. Um, it's just it's such an amazing time to be a Rangers fan. Yeah, I think one interesting thing you talked about, that you that you mentioned about the you know what we're doing with our prospects. Um, we're giving, and this is kind of something that JD kind of touched on. I'm not sure exactly which, which interview it was. It might've been with Michael K. I think it was with Michael K. actually, where he was talking about revamping of Hartford. And one of the things he talked about is the, the culture that he's looking to change was that, is that he's looking to build a place where we take care of you, you know, meaning the prospects from day one and that we're going to kind of, we're going to nurture you along and we're going to be there for you, like around the globe, like wherever you are, whether you're here in the States or you're playing in, in some of the junior leagues in Canada or whether you're playing over in Europe, like we're going to take care of these prospects and we're going to groom them to be ready for the NHL. And, um, it doesn't surprise me that, that, that Nils Lundqvist says, Oh, you know, let me, let me come join prospect camp because they're trying to change that, you know, that culture. And, and if they're going to change that culture, you're going to want to change it from an early, an early age. You're going to want to get these kids early on and have them be accustomed to the system of what NHL play is like, you know, the facilities, the team, the, um, you know everything from top to bottom. So uh, this is this is a, this is good news in in that sense. Yeah, and 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 this is what we what we discussed last week on on the previous episode. Of course, uh, the Rangers are treating their prospects as if they're part of the organization, as they are. But you know they haven't done this in the past. And Nils Lundqvist flying over and and saying that he's excited to meet all these new kids joining the organization. I think that's great to hear. I mean, as you would say, music to my ears. Because Lundqvist, even though he's only turning 19 next year, to these kids, he's going to be one of the older guys in the organization. If we draft one or two kids from Sweden, I'm, I'm fully confident that Lundqvist will be, will be you know, catching up with them when they play against each other in the Swedish league. And, you know, have a, have a quick, hey, how are you, and five-minute conversation. Because, it, it, you know, it, that, that's what, what, what brings them together, the fact that they were both drafted by, by the Rangers. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, totally. um, and, of course, the Rangers have made an interesting uh, deal uh, last week uh, by adding Tanner Glass to the organization. Yeah, how do you yeah. feel about that? You know, I, I, have, I don't really have anything to say about it. Um, Tanner Glass as a player was not someone I wanted on my team. Tanner Glass as a person who is going to mentor and assist the younger prospects, I'm perfectly fine with that. I mean, he, he played in France. He's, he's traveled all over the world. Um, I read somewhere that, that, that he, you know, he, he's, he's even been to Turkey and Istanbul. Istanbul. Um, so he's, he's the type of guy who has a lot of, uh, who has a very international view of things, like a global mindset. Mm. And, the other guy that works in, in a similar capacity for the Rangers is Jet Ortmeier, who also wasn't the best player on the team, but that's not what you're looking for in these in these for these positions. You know, the best player on the ice doesn't necessarily make the best coach or the best GM or the best team consultant or whatever. Yeah, I completely agree, actually. I think one interesting thing about um, you know, about Tanner Glass is that what I've noticed, and I think I want to give credit to, to Joe Fortunato, I think he's the one that mentioned this, is that something that I, I, you kind of always hear about Tanner Glass is that he's liked by everybody. He's liked 
top to bottom in the organization. He's liked by the, you know, the front office. He's liked by the coaches. He's liked by his teammates. He's liked by, you know, fans. And it, like in terms of just like how he interacts with them, there's, there's very, there, I mean, no one really says a bad word about him other than the fact that he really wasn't a good hockey player. But aside from that, you know, he's a good guy. So if you're going to have somebody in your organization that is going to be, I guess, a voice for these kids to help, you know, help them adjust to, you know, the, the Rangers organization. I have no problems. I, I really like this. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, you know, you, like I said, you don't have to be the best player on the ice to be good in a different role. Um, Chris Drury as a player for the Rangers wasn't the best because of his injuries that, you know, that limited him severely. But if you, if you would ask Ryan Callahan or Brendan Dubinsky, or any of the other young guys who played for the Rangers in, in like the mid 2000s, like 2006, 2007, and 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 2008. If you ask them about Chris Drury, they're all positive. You know, he is the guy that they learned the most from, right. and and those are the guys that usually do well in these in these off uh, office jobs, so to speak. So I don't think Tanner Glass is a bad signing. I'm I'm confident that they make the right decision. Um, Tanner Glass, you know, he went to an Ivy League school, so he's he's probably, you know, you can probably depend on him to, you know, make the right decisions. He's an intelligent guy and everything. Yep. Um, and as long as he doesn't teach our, our our prospects how to defend on the ice, I'm okay with it. Yeah, no, yeah, it, no that's it, exactly it. Exactly so I, I think that's a that's a fair point. Um, yeah. So moving on from this, let's talk a little bit now about um, some other Ranger news. So Larry Brooks um, tweeted out uh, in his article um, that the Rangers are in on Jacob Truba. Um, this is no surprise. I think we've kind of known this for a while. Um, and if you've read through the article, obviously this is what he's suggesting in his article. Let's just get this straight. What he's suggesting is just a hypothetical trade. So he's not sitting there saying this is what's being talked about. He is basically saying this is something that I think might be a possibility. Um, yeah, he's speculating. Exactly. So, Steve, just give the give the tell everybody what the the trade exactly was that he speculated or one. Oh, the, yeah, the, the package for uh, for Jacob Truba that he uh, brought up was uh, Pavel Buchnevich, Nils Lundqvist, and the twentieth overall pick in this upcoming draft. How do you feel about that package? Um, well, I don't I don't think it does anything for either team because I don't think the Rangers are ready to give up on Nils Lundqvist. I don't think Jeff Gordon wants to give up the 20th overall pick. And I don't think Buchnevich does anything for the Winnipeg Jets because the last thing they need is a scoring winger. They need help in other areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that, you know, I think Jacob Truba will be traded after the draft. So the 20th overall pick this year won't even be in play. Um, he will probably be traded after, he, after his contract ends and he hits that restricted free agency status. Um, so if a, if a draft pick is is involved in the trade, it will be one in 2020 or 2021. Interesting. Um, I, I, I tend to think, I mean, I, I think I think you're right. I think there's a chance he gets traded after the draft. Um, I don't think that the Rangers, I think if, if it came down to it, would the Rangers trade include the 20th uh, pick this year as part of a Truba package? Absolutely. I don't think that's a problem for the Rangers. I think where it changes for the Rangers is what else is going back to Winnipeg. I don't think the Rangers want to give up a player like, just my opinion, I don't think they want to give up, give Buchnevich 
Um, I'm not exactly sure how they how you know what their thinking is in terms of their defensive prospects. Um, would they include Nils Lundqvist? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, it's a weird one for me because I, I, I kind of, I understand why you would do it. Doesn't mean I would, I would, I would do it, but I, I understand the thinking. Um, Bushnevich for me is where I know it sounds crazy, but that's kind of the thing that I, I actually bark it. I bark more Bushnevich than I probably do at Nils Lundqvist. And the reason why is because I, I, I kind of know what I got. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to get with Nils. It, mm. it, now you're right. It is. I mean, there's a, there's a risk. I know what I'm getting with Jacob Truba. So it's me risking uh, what if scenario with Nils versus I know what I'm going to get with, with, with Truba. I just don't want to give up Buchnevich with it. I would probably be more comfortable giving up some other forwards along with a, you know, a first round pick this year. Mm. But um, the other thing too is, you know, let's say we do trade for Jacob Truba. I mean, we're already like, I know it sounds crazy, but like there's so many defensemen on this team I like I said, and we said before, and this is even without Jacob Truba in the equation, something has to give. So there's going to be players that have to be moved at some point because you just gave entry level contracts to, I mean, what, four or five rookies? Yeah. So how are you going to do that? Plus, you already got like five guys, you know, already on that are already signed, and then you want to trade for Jacob Truba on top of that. You're talking about like eleven kids for six spots. So how's that? It does the math doesn't make sense unless these ELC kids are going to go to Hartford, maybe, but I don't think so because you talked about Tarmo; he'd probably go back to Europe, right? Um, yeah, and I think Rykov has a very similar situation, right? Yeah, but only for his second year of his deal. His first year, he doesn't have a European assignment clause. Okay, okay, so he could go to Hartford. Then yeah. you've got, I mean, I'm trying to think of all the other kids we got there. So what would we possibly do with? I mean, Adam Fox, you would think is going to get a roster spot. I, I mean, you're not going to trade two two second rounders and knock him a roster spot. That would make no sense. Yeah. So you kind of figure he's going to be in the equation. Mm-hmm. I just don't know where. There's got to be something that kind of gives. And you still have Shackenkirk signed for another two years. You still, you have, have, you still have Smith. You still have Smith. Stahl. You yeah. still have D'Angelo and Pionk in the equation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, matter of fact, you still have the rights to Clayson, right? Uh, Freddie Clayson is a restricted free agent with arbitration rights. So yeah. So, I don't know. It yeah, just seems so like it, it seems like it, too it, many. It seems like too many. Now, none of these guys are. You know, if we forgot Brady Shea. How do we forget about him? So it's like because he's a lock on the left. Is fine. Well, no, but I'm saying, but I, he's another guy I totally forgot about. So the thing is, is that it's it's not like any of these guys are stellar standouts, really. Like none of them are elite, you know, first pair guys, but. There's a lot of there's a lot of numbers there. So there's a lot of bodies on defense. Yes. What's up? There's a lot of bodies on defense that you have to right, deal exactly. with. Right. Exactly. So it's not like you've got a, a a number one guy. You've definitely got a lot of bodies. So and there's only, if, there's only if, so many if spots. They trade for Tru- if they trade for Truba, I I still feel that D'Angelo is part of the deal because of this and the situation the Rangers are in. The situation the Winnipeg Jets are in, they need someone to replace Truva. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I think even more than that, and the Rangers are probably going to have to move some other guys too, just because I mean, for first of all, they're going to have to get they have to pay him. Yeah. So there's that. Then, so let's say you pay him. You, I mean, I would assume you're going to pay him something in the neighborhood of what you're paying Kevin Shattenkirk, maybe even a little uh, bit more, less, right? More, more. You think, you think he's going to make more than, more than Shattenkirk? If you look at Truba, if you look at the player he is, if you look at how old he is and the fact that he only has one restricted free agency year left, 
I would think that for a long-term deal, his average would come down between 7 and 7.5. Wow. That's a lot for me. That's the market. You know, yeah. cap, cap goes up, salary goes up. No, I agree. I agree. And, and not that I don't like Jacob Truba, but then, then if that's the case, then you have to, you're, you're going to have to move, you know, Smith and Shattenkirk. I mean, to, I just think you have to. Yeah, that is something's got to give. And if they trade for Truba, I think D'Angelo is part of the package, and maybe a an established NHL forward that they could use right away. Maybe Ryan Strom or Namesnikov. I don't think they'd want that. I think they'd rather have a kid. I think Leas Anderson would get it done more than more so than any of those kids. Yeah. Okay. Of course. But you know, it, they're not just negotiating with the Rangers. Um, yeah, I'm pre- I'm pretty sure the Detroit Red Wings are a target. A target destination for Truba. And honestly, if I look at that Detroit team, I think Detroit has the best chance of landing Truba because they have the best pieces to trade. Yep. I still think that a one-for-one trade with the Detroit Red Wings would work for both sides, where they give up Athanasiu or Mantha for Truba. Maybe maybe a small add, like a, like a, a mid-round pick here or there to even it out, but that would make more sense for Winnipeg instead of acquiring these the like a prospect and a pick and I mean Bufflin is only signed for I think two more years. You know, their window is not gonna be open for much longer. Is that a better is that a better package than what the Rangers are gonna offer or could offer? I don't know. Uh, if 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 you could acquire a a a top six forward for Jacob Truba that you could use immediately that is most likely going to put up 50 60 maybe even 70 points on a good team. I think that's better than acquiring a package with a prospect, a pick, and and a decent NHL player. Yeah, you're probably right. No, I'm talking about like the, the Bushnevich package, I was saying. I think the Bushnevich package is, is, is comparable. Yeah, but, but they don't need Bushnevich. They don't need any more wingers. Yeah, that's they, true. They, ha- they have Line, they have Connor, they have Wheeler, they have Ehlers, they have... They have, they, they, their top six is set. What are you going to do with Bucinevich? Are you going to because if they trade for him, they're not they're not going to let him. You know they have to sign him too. Yeah, um, that's true. And and he's probably going to ask for five six million. Yeah. Are you going to pay five six million for a winger to play in your third line? No. No. Especially not, not a team a team like Winnipeg. No. 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 Um, all right. So then. So let. So let me ask you this hypothetical. So. Gun to your head, what do you think? This is is Truba a Ranger this year? No. I I'm think gonna, I think he's a Ranger next year, though. I'm actually gonna agree and say I don't think he's a Ranger this year. Now, I don't know if he'll ever be a Ranger, but I I, I think I, I agree that I don't think he will be one this year. And then I think it's it's up for debate whether he hits free agency and he's available next year. I think there's a pretty good chance that he will go to a team that will overpay for him to have him on the team for a year and that team being a contender right now. A team, a, a contending team that doesn't have a stellar defense. Oh, you mean like Toronto? Hey, your words, man, not mine, but yeah. I mean, that, that, it, it would make sense if they can make something work. If Toronto, if Toronto can acquire Jacob Truba, for, even if it's for one year, you know, they can go all out for one year while Marlowe is still on that team. And then next year when Marlowe is off the books, I mean, so many things can happen. 
But yeah. I think I think there are more teams interested in Trouba than just Detroit and the Rangers. Um, I oh, think I definitely think that. I just don't know. I don't know who's going to be the most aggressive with it. I think I think everyone. I think anybody who could use a defenseman is involved. Yeah. I just don't know which. I don't know who's going to offer the best package and what's going to happen. And I just don't want the Rangers uh, ending up in a bidding war. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I mean, it's not like the Rangers are competing next year where they need this player. So there's no, no. point in going all in for a player that. Now, don't get me, don't get, don't get it twisted. I would love to have Jacob Trouba on the team, but I'm not going to break the bank for it. No. And and looking at the package that Larry Brooks mentioned in his in his article, I think there's a better package to be had for the Winnipeg Jets from yeah. another team. So speaking speaking of of possible trades out there, did you see uh, that? Um, Jimmy Vc is is uh, is um, gathering some interest. Did you see oh that? man, Greg! If that happens, I'm gonna buy you a beer, and I'll <laughs> uh, tell you why. I'll I would drink it. I would love to see Jimmy Vc being traded to a team that he refused to sign with three years ago. I mean, yeah, that's that that's karma. That Buffalo be, Buffalo crazy. gave up a third round pick for his rights, and he just flat out refused to sign with them. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty wild, actually. The fact that, I mean, that the Buffalo is even interested is the only thing. The only thing better than this is if they trade him to Nashville. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But but it, 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 but even still, like even with even the, even with the Buffalo thing, like I can't believe I'm surprised they would even entertain this. Uh, see, the thing is, I think VZ is on the market. Oh no, me. I agree with that. I'm surprised Buffalo is interested though. That's my Yeah, I'm but Buffalo sure. Buffalo is not a team that can that can get their players in free agency. They don't have those big free agency splashes. They gave nine million a year to Jeff Skinner for eight seasons. That's true. That's true. The I, reason I'll, they did this, the reason they did this is because they have to they have to work on their team a different way than, for instance, the Rangers or the Blackhawks or the Maple Leafs. You know, they don't have that. That, that same status that original six teams have where players just want to come and play for you. Yeah, I agree with that. With, the, say, with the odd exception here or there, of course. But Right. I'll say this, too. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think it was – I want to say it was – I think it was Joe Fortunato again that was talking about Jimmy VC, And he actually, pro- he, he actually nailed it. He basically said, like, VC is, like, a useful guy. You know, he can do a lot of things. He soaks up men, scores goals, this and that. Um but the thing is, the Rangers have too many of these like third line guys, yep. you know. And, and I agree. He's taken a spot away from one of your prospects. Right. Exactly. That's exactly it. So it's it's not like the Rangers. It's not like he's not a useful player. It's just the Rangers have so many of these bottom tier guys that it's like if if someone will overpay for him or give you something really good, then then send him on his way. Yep. And I think the same the same applies to Ryan Strome to Jesper Fast. If you can get an offer that is that is significantly better than what you expected, Gorton's going to say yes. I tend to agree with that. And Jimmy Vesey, Jimmy Vesey was a couple of bounces away from from hitting twenty goals. Yeah. Two seasons in a row. Um, If if he can play on a team that because we are still a rebuilding team, you know, we don't have the depth that we used to have in like four or five years ago. If he goes to a team where, like Buffalo, where they have Jack Eichel and uh, Casey Middlestad um, and, and uh, who's, who's the other guy? Uh, is it Sam Reinhardt that's on that team? Yeah, uh, Sam Reinhardt and, you know, Jeff Skinner. 
I don't know, putting Jimmy VZ on that team, and maybe it works. Maybe it works for them. Who knows? Yeah. So let me ask, what's what's a fair return for Jimmy VZ? Uh, I don't know. I, Buffalo gave up a third round pick for him when he hadn't played a single NHL game at all. So you would you would think at least a second round pick. Um. I think but, that's fair. I think that's fair. I think if I can get a second round pick for him, I would do it. Um, I don't. I'm kind of iffy on whether that market is there right now, but I, I think that if you can get a second for him, I think you do it. Yeah. Uh, the only problem is Buffalo doesn't have a second round pick uh, this year. Um, but yeah, we're getting so close to the draft that any deal will probably happen after the draft. But let's say hypothetically it happens before the draft starts on Friday. I could, I could, I could see Jimmy Vesey plus Tampa Bay second for uh, St. Louis's first round pick. So you move up 30, 31 spots in the or 30, 30 something spots in the draft. Yeah, you, you basically move up an entire round for Jimmy. By Vesey. giving up Jimmy Vesey, yeah. Yeah, that's worth it to me. You go from from sixty, it's six, I think it's fifty nine, the Tampa Bay pick. So you would go from fifty nine to thirty one. By giving up Jimmy Vesey, who's only who's only on the payroll for one more year, right? Yeah, it's worth it. For me, it's worth it. I do that. It would it would work for Buffalo because they don't have a second round pick. It will work for the Rangers because they get that highly coveted third first first round pick that they that they want so desperately. Right. Um, yeah. Who knows? I mean, I, I'm not attached to Jimmy Vesey. Uh, if they trade him tomorrow, I'll, I'll I'll move on with my life. It'll be eh, it'll, it'll be just another trade for me. Me too. All right, so that that about does it for this this uh, portion of the uh, the show. Let's uh, let's get to Steve and let's see what's going on with Steve. And we're going to talk lots of um, prospect stuff. We're going to talk lots of NHL draft, which is happening in less than seven days. So, without further ado, let's get to Steve. <laughs> And we welcome Steve Cornianos, the draft analyst to the show. Steve, how's it going, man? Good, guys. How are you doing today? Pretty good. So, Steve, uh, um, excited for the, the 2019 draft. Uh, you know, I mean, I think every Ranger fan out here is pretty excited with the fact that we actually won a lottery for once. And who would have actually thought that would have actually, actually ever happened? Um, but we did. Um, you know, we actually got some luck for once. So, um, having said that, you know, we're, we're picking second. Is there any indication at all that we will be taking a player other than Capo Caco? I mean, only if only if the Devils take Capo Caco. I mean, that's the only way. I mean, it's going to be Capo Caco, Jack Hughes. I think all signs point to the Devils obviously taking Hughes. So uh, if you just if you compare draft resumes, right, uh, and just it's this year's resume, not what they've done in, in years past, if you compare draft resumes. Uh, you're not going to find a one and two have more a more impe- impeccable resume than either Jack Hughes or Capo Caco. And I'm not just talking about what they've won as from a team standpoint. I'm talking individual accomplishment. You know, Rasmus Dahlin last year he had a phenomenal year. You know, obviously with the most points by an under 18 defenseman in the SHL. Uh, Andre Svechnikov didn't necessarily break a record, but his goals per 60 at five on five in the OHL was uh, borderline historic. Uh, so, but, you know, with the stuff that went on with them this year, especially Kako with, you know, setting the under 18 goal scoring mark in the Liga, 
you know, winning the, the the being part of the Triple Gold Club, the game-winning goal in the in the WJC, toying with NHL defensemen, uh, Canada's best defenseman at the World Championships. I mean, those those are pretty impressive things that prospects don't always do every draft year. You know, usually you have a kid come in and dominate the OHL. You know, have like 150 points, so you know, be like a Stamkos or a Tavares. But what Kako did to me, easily, easily. One of the most impressive things I've seen from a, a draft eligible winger uh, is since I've been following drafts, and I'm going all the way back to the 1980s in that regard. I mean, uh, it's just the way that he dominates the puck, the way that he thinks the game, his obviously his agility for a big man, his his puck protection is elite. the The shot I think is elite. I don't know people tried to debate me on that. I don't know how I, I saw a game where he scored three goals and they were all from the circles out. Uh, so. You know, for me, when you get a kid like that who's only 18 years old, you're really just scratching the surface on on greatness. I mean, we're talking about a guy that has the potential to be not a perennial 30-goal scorer, but perennial 40- or 50-goal scorer. Right? When was the last time the Rangers ever had that? So it is, a, like you said, <laughs> yeah, it, it's an exciting time. It really is. He's going to be homegrown. He's going to be their property. Uh, there's no debate about, uh, you know, needing to go out and buy Capo Caco because he's going to be theirs. and. Uh, you know, barring any uh, injury or anything like that, uh, he's going to be the franchise that they're going to build around. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, and it, it's funny you mentioned that about the, you know, I think if we were to, you know, rewind this conversation a year ago, there would be no doubt that the Devils were going to take uh, Jack Hughes, right? I mean, that, that, that was pretty much the slam. Sure. And, at, le- and sure. at least now, you know, Ray Sherrill's sitting there and he has to at least think for a second, if at anything, right? I mean, he was there. He was there in 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 uh, in the where was the games in Slovakia with the World Championships this year. Yeah, uh, Finland was playing their uh, group games in Kozice. Okay, so he was in Kozice. I mean, you, when you see it live, you know, I, I don't. I wish I could scout Europe. You know, Steve, you're a lucky guy because I not only, <laughs> do, I, not only do I love Europe, but I, I, you know, in the culture and the history. But I, you know, the hockey's pretty good too. It's amazing. And, and, and the only chance I really get, and by the way, FYI, the, the under-18 World Championships are going to be in Plymouth next year. So it's going to be, you know, if you're an American or North American-based, uh, you know, talent prospect guy, whatever, like, you got to go to Plymouth. Cause, but, you know, so w- when you see someone live, the special guys specifically, like a Jack Hughes or a Capo Caco, it really changes everything. And so I'd like to think that the Devils have finished scouts, and Shiro made some trips himself. Obviously, he was probably in Vancouver. I mean, but I don't think he really knew he was going to get the number one overall pick, but they had to do their due diligence and figure, hey, listen, we're one of the worst teams in the league. We're probably going to get a top three pick, so we got to scout these guys anyway. Right. Uh, I can't see Ray Shiro and his staff being in Kaziche and seeing what Kako did, especially in the beginning part of that tournament, and not like having some private conversation thereafter in, a, in like a broom closet. And being like, hey, we got to go back and go over every second of film for both players. We got to go over all the notes. We got to go over everything because as much as I love Jack Hughes and his dynamism and his marketability being a, you know, a New York area kid uh, with New York area roots, I guess, if you want to say that, uh, you know, how, how could you? And that's why when I that's why I wrote the article and I, I caught hell from. Both sides, because Ranger fans don't don't want to lose Kako and Devil fans don't want to lose Hughes. But it's like if you watch this kid play, like yeah, he's a pretty special talent. So I think the, 
you know, the easiest decision is going to be Jeff Gordon's. He's all he's got to do is show up. Yep. Ray Shiro, the other guy. Yeah, yeah. Ray Shiro is the one that has to sit there and 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 be in long meeting sessions. And uh, you know, it's not people would say, well, it's a good position to be in. Like, yeah, but what if you miss up? You know, what if you mess up? You know, and and it goes to a division rival. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. I, 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 and I'll say this, like. I think there there are a lot of Ranger fans out there who, and I, I it boggles my mind that are actually upset at the fact that we wouldn't that we would get Jack Hughes. Like there are, I'm telling you, Steve, there actually are a bunch out there who have tweeted things like, "Well, you know, if if Kako gets taken number one, do we trade the pick?" Are you out of your fucking <laughs> mind? Like, oh, what? Well, what it's because he's a devil. In everyone's mind, he's a devil, and Kako is a Ranger, so they're just starting the rivalry early. That's all it is. I know. I there there are people out there that actually think he's gonna be like. Not a, not good, and I'm just like, oh, man. why? Oh. Why? No, but they're basing it off of that like one little tournament where where you know that he played at uh, the World Championships that he was basically on the third line playing with a bunch of superstars that were that were ahead of him in the pecking order and didn't have you know what I mean? So I mean, like, you got Jack Hughes going to be playing with Vitaly Kravtsov. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So it's like that, that would be am- that would be amazing if, yeah, if you exactly. had that combination. But, but even you know, Hughes at his worst. Hughes at his worst. All he has to do is spin around a couple of times and make a nice backhand feed, and he gives it to Kravtsov, and there's your 60 assists or 70 assists a season. So, uh, no, I, I don't. I think it's ridiculous if people don't like Jack Hughes, and I, I can understand Finnish fans being a little bit anti-Hughes because we've never had a Finnish player go first overall, and it would be a pretty big deal if it happened. Hold I don't, on, I, I, I get that thought too. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they care whether he goes to the Rangers or the Devils. They're going to be that team's fan because that Kako's on that team. So I respect that uh, for them to be kind of protective about him. But if you're a Ranger fan, uh, like you're going to get the greatest draft prospect that the franchise has ever had, yeah. at least from a pre-draft standpoint. You know, I mean, Pablo Brent, the '99 draft was one of the worst draft classes. Now, no one said that at the time, and as fans, we didn't know. Like, okay, yeah, '99. Oh, they got the fourth and ninth pick. But there was, if you talk to some people that have been around the league that were scouts back then and, you know, front office types, they'll tell you, like, hey, that, that 99 crop wasn't all that great. So this is a this is a game-changing draft. This is not a – even if they – let's say they just don't pay, but pick Hughes or Kako and they take Zegris or Bowen Byram. I mean, you're talking about guys with, uh, you know, all-star potential, perennial all-star potential. So – uh, either way, everybody's everyone in that top ten, unless you do something stupid, mm-hmm. is going to walk away with an outstanding prospect. I mean, it's just it's just how the draft is being evaluated and assessed. Yeah, yeah. And, and and you and, and you know the thing with Kako is because um, in my opinion, a lot of Ranger fans didn't know who Kako was before April 9th, which is fine. But once we won that second overall pick in the draft lottery, I saw I saw everywhere Ranger fans go crazy about oh Kako this Kako that and. Now, all season it was lose for use. Hashtag lose for use. And yeah. I, honestly, yeah, I would like Kako to be a Ranger because I've been following him around for two years. I've I've seen him play in Finland several times. I've seen I've, I flew to Germany because he was playing uh, against uh, against a German team at the Champions Hockey League. Oh yeah, my I, favorite, the CHL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually met him in Brno um, last month. Uh, the the Euro Hockey Tour. They played in Bruno, which is 90 minutes by train from Vienna. So I decided yeah. to go there. I brought a sign and everything. He signed a couple of pucks. We had a five-minute conversation. His English is better than people give it credit for, by the way. 
So yeah, I'm I'm a big Kako fan, and I hope he is a Ranger. But if we end up with Jack Hughes, that's fine too. But Capo Kako is a rare specimen. You know, he didn't attend the combine, but um, when they did a sort of combine testing in Finland, he was ranked top three in almost everything, and and first on his team in in several categories, including the VO2 max. So yeah. as as a 17, 18 year old. He is just—he is just destroying teammates that have been playing hockey for four, five, six, seven years. Yeah, he is such a rare specimen, and I agree, he is the best player that we will ever draft. Is uh, the best prospect on draft day that we will get. I think on draft day, he's a bigger prospect than Brian Leach was. Oh, absolutely! Oh my God, you read—you read the scouting reports from back then. Uh, uh, there were concerns about his his skating. Concerns about Leach is they the one scout said that Leach might be a forward better as a forward than a defenseman, um, and he you know you know the Rangers in a way went a little bit off the board to take him because it just wasn't all that common to take a a, a high school kid out of Connecticut that high and so yeah I, I think easily I mean I don't I don't remember Brad you know Brad Park and how he was assessed and what the scouting report said of him back in '66 but. With all the attention and the accessibility that fans have, the media have, the scouts have, the front office types have, this is a kid that has had the spotlight on him round the clock. If yep. not by the general public or the collective, the NHL fan base, the collective, it's definitely been the scouting community and the draft junkies like us. We've been watching this kid, like 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 Steve in Steve's case for two years. We saw him play at the U18s. So I'm playing the uh, the Five Nations tournaments and things like that when he was a pre-draft or draft uh, draft minus one, uh, and we we knew he was special. We saw that. Eh, you got to be a little bit skeptical. You know what I'm saying? I I love put Colson because I, I saw could put Colson at his best, uh, and I thought that wow, you know, Capo is good, but this put Colson kid is better in in other areas. Uh, you know, and of course the abrasiveness was I tight to like. I like my my prospects to play a little bit mean. But then, of yeah. course, if you watch Kako play. He has a little bit of meanness in him too, a little bit, not a lot. But he yeah. if you piss him off. He's gonna he's gonna hit back. Um, so I, I think that the, the 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 cat's out of the bag now. Everybody knows who this kid is, and he deserves all the attention. It seems like he's handled it pretty well. It doesn't seem like he's, you know, be has a big head. He seems like a pretty good team guy. You know, you, you know, some veterans when you talk to them, they'll say about a draft prospect, how they feel entitled. They mm -hmm. don't listen to instruction. They're late. They don't go to meetings. Uh, you know, and, you know, I'm not going to mention any names because I don't want to give up anything. But it's like it's, it's happened before, and it's hurt draft stock, whereas Kako, it's nothing but superlatives. I mean, everyone loves this kid, so. Yeah, and, and if you look at the World Championships, you know, the, he scored six, six goals, I think, or seven. Six or seven. Yeah. Uh, and most of his goals, most of his goals are just different. You know, it's not like you can you can look at those goals and say, oh, he always scores this way. And he scored an empty net goal against Slovakia, play, and he pushed he pushed away a defender. Uh, I think it's Jaros who plays for the Senators, NHL defenseman, and he just outmuscles an NHL defenseman on his way to an empty net. You know, the the breakaway goal against Canada, where he makes Montour look like an ECHL defenseman. Yeah, yeah. It was unbelievable. And then he gets hooked on the play, skates around the goalie, and puts it in the net. And this is, this is what I always do when I, when I go to games. I always try to get a ticket behind the bench because I like observing players 
on the bench? You know, when they sure. come off the ice after a good shift or a bad shift, you know, how do they handle that? And in Bruno, Kako played played really well. He didn't score. He he got an assist. He didn't score a goal. And when he came off the ice and he didn't score a goal, he, he didn't he didn't put his head down. You know, he was talking to his teammates and trying to cheer them up, trying to you know get their heads in the game. Because they played Russia and, and nobody expected them to beat Russia. This was a Russian team with Kucherov and Malkin and, and, and Kuznetsov and Kaprizov and Kovalchuk. And I'm forgetting several players who were on that Russian <laughs> Gusev. Uh, and, who, and whoever <laughs> uh, it was. A, Gusev was on that team, exactly. Their top six was, was NHL all-star level. Yeah. And Finland beat them in, in the Euro Hockey Tour. And Kako was one of their best players. And when the World Championship started, the first three games, he was, he was chosen as the player of the game for the finish. Um, and, and his teammates, you, you can see it when he skates off the ice and goes for a line change. Or when they, when they go into the dressing room when a period ends, you can see that, you know, he is, as an 18-year-old, he was the guy that, you know, they, they, they look at and they talk to him. And that is, that is huge. And another guy that has this was Vitaly Kravtsov. You know, yeah. when he was playing, and again, you know, KHL game for Traktor or at the, at the World Juniors or the under-24 nations in the Czech Republic, every time he skates to the, uh, to the bench, he is trying to help his teammates. He was a real leader on that team. Yeah, and- I think that, that has a lot to do with not just them. I mean, that's innate. That's how they were brought up or how they were, you know, mentored as they, as they became prospects, uh, as they got older. I think it, it's clearly the, what the Rangers are trying to do is they, they want those guys. And if you look at all their draft picks, Keandre Miller is an outstanding young man. I mean, I don't know Nils Lundqvist, but obviously, you know, you watch his demeanor on the ice. He's a very exciting play. I mm-hmm. did it's the same thing. I sat behind the Sweden, the Sweden bench at the Five Nations last year, and I'm like, oh, this kid's pretty quick, but he was also very jittery on the bench, yapping it up with his teammates. And uh, I think the Rangers want that. I think that's why they, they took Leas at seventh overall, is they want guys that want to show up to the rink and and compete and we saw the rangers play and that's why i think david quinn was hired because we saw the rangers play like that last year where and i was getting mad at them for playing so well but (laughs) i wanted a high pick but especially at the end where i even made it wrote a tweet i tweeted out was just a random thought i had in my head is like either the players absolutely cannot stand david quinn or they love him or they love him him. but either way they obviously listen to him and they carry out his message because we saw guys playing like crazy off the wall effort wise. And so it, when you when you see Capo uh, play like that, and, and the thing is with Hughes, Capo gets frustrated. You know, you, if you watch the games, you see him get not not frustrated, but like you know, slamming sticks and things like that. Maybe the most you get at him is like a head nod or like you know, shake his head. Hughes gets frustrated, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's something that they're gonna have to work on. He tries to do too much. Uh, obviously, he knows he has the skill to do that. Uh, but I'm wondering, this is what I'm, you talk about the Russian All-Star team at the World Championships. I'm wondering, this is my theory. My theory is that Ray Shiro, after that Russia game, was like, we're drafting Capo Kako. That's it. I'm not, I can't, I've seen enough. Like, Kako is clearly the better prospect. And then what happens? Jack Hughes plays Russia, and Hughes basically has his best game of the tournament, if yeah. not one of the best games of the season against yeah, he, he, had a, he had a phenomenal game against Russia. And I think that might have been like, all right, Ray, we get it. Like, 
you know, you were impressed with Kako, but let, let's stay st- stick stick to the original plan and take Jack Hughes because he obviously showed, even if it's only one game, he could play against men. He could play amongst the trees. He was skating inside, wasn't a perimeter player, back checking, supporting his defenseman below the circles, and obviously setting up some goals as well. So, um, I guess it's an exciting time to be a, a Ranger fan or a Devil fan. Either way, you're going to get a really good player. Yeah, I'll, I'll say one thing before we before we change uh, topics is that the one thing that, imp- that actually impressed me uh, watching Jack Hughes in the you know um, in, at the Worlds this year is, and you guys have watched him a whole lot more than I have. He is way better defensively than I thought. Like he yeah. is way. I mean, like he is he is actually quite good in his own zone. Like his, his, way his better than I thought. His defensive awareness is underrated, yes. It really is, yeah. I, I, I just thought that's something that I think people should, like, because you always talk about his offensive game and his numbers and whatever, but, like, just watching little things like like the re- like the reads he has on the puck, and I'm like, oh, this he is a lot better in his own zone than even I thought. Well, I'll tell you what it is, and I talked to his father. When I, when I was in um, Plymouth, uh, I forgot which game it was. It was the one where he came back. They came back from Russia after the Five Nations. Hughes missed uh, a month because he stepped out of his front porch and he was front stoop and he slipped on ice and he, he messed up his ankle. Um, so his dad, uh, they, I was introduced to his dad and his dad is a real New Yorker. You know, Jim Hughes is a real New Yorker. He's from Hicksville. His dad was a retired FDMY chief was, was, you know, in the Marine Corps too. Uh, we talked about nine 11 and like things like that. And so, uh, and obviously, you know, Jim Hughes is a very, very impressive resume from an NHL standpoint. I think he's an agent now. He's working with CAA. But before that, you're talking about, uh, you know, a front office type for the Maple Leafs. And so uh, he was telling me, I said, you know, we're talking about Quinn and Luke and like, what, what, what does he do? Like, what, where does this sixth sense come from? Like this hockey smarts. And he says, I don't teach them that stuff. He's like, they were born with it. And when they, they're so competitive from playing against each other in the yard, right, that when one of them messes up on something, they go back into the house and they either watch film or they, they make it a point to spend the next week or two weeks or a month on that one specific thing. So if his shot was being questioned or if, let's say, Quinn kept on beating him with uh, toe drags, he would improve his, let's say, his lateral footwork. If he was, uh, you know, getting beat with uh, Quinn was was hitting the, the the top or Luke was hitting the top corners and Jack wasn't, he'd spend the net. So this is what elite players do. This is what special players do. Look at Crosby. When Crosby came into the league, he was known as bad on faceoffs, not that great of a shot, right? Right. He, Crosby was known for obviously his edge work, his skating, his his hockey sense, phenomenal. But he wasn't really known for like a devastating shot. He had a good backhand, but not like a and then. What happened a few years into the league when Crosby was in the beginning of his career? What, what happened? He had, you know, a lot of assists compared to his goals. And then he ends up winning the Rashad. I think it was 2010. But that's what great plays do. That's why you can't knock Jack Hughes for being small. Or you can't knock Capo Caco for, let's say, tiring out at, you know, later on in his shifts. Right. These elite players, they're, they're tall. It's just like anybody in life, any job you have. If someone goes back to you and says, you know, hey, Greg, your reports are good, but that last paragraph, you know, you got to close it out. You got to clean it up a little bit better. You're going to make better reports. You're going to go back and improve and figure out what you have to do to improve the report. Yeah, so 100%. It's the same thing with, with these guys. Uh, you know, you can't knock them for little things like that. They're going to improve. And, you know, what Hughes showed at the World Championship was, was amazing because he showed like, hey, listen, I can play with men, against men, and I have to play my own end and not be a liability. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, and I'm, and I'm, hold on, one final thing before we move on to the next subject about use, because um, people probably forgot about this because it was overshadowed by Kako's performance in the Worlds, but he beat Ovechkin's record in points at the under-18s. Um, yeah. And, and you know, that is, that, is, that is very impressive. That's huge. And it doesn't, I, I just think it got overshadowed by Kako's performance a month later. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I totally agree with that. Um, no, I was just, the only thing I was going to say uh, when you were talking about Quinn Hughes is that, and, and and Steve, you know this from from last year. I'm I'm just a big Quinn Hughes like fan. So yeah, uh, yeah. No, no. Both of you guys know that. I I I love Quinn Hughes. I wanted him on the Rangers so fucking bad. It's ridiculous. So <laughs> well, we'll never have that opportunity, unfortunately. But I, I it's just I, I remember watching his first game for um um for Vancouver and. I think he's going to be. I I I I think he's going to win a, a Norris one day. That kid's got so much ability; it's ridiculous. I don't know how you feel about this, Steve. But like, I'm, that kid I'm is just he is unfucking believable. He's got some work to do defensively, but at, at the same time, the the game's changing, where you don't need to be big and menacing, and like you could just have someone. You have your partner do that. Like Brian Leach and Bukaboom were an elite pairing because. Boogaboom knew his role and Leach knew his role. Now Leach could throw a nasty hip check. He could, I thought Leach, Leach was very underrated defensively. He used to like, bother me so much when they said, oh, Brian Leach is all offense because it's plus minus. It was like minus 25. But if you watch Leach from the time he was in Boston College and the U.S. Olympic team, like clearly this guy knew how to play defense, an intelligent player. Uh, Quinn Hughes has that ability as well. I see some Leach similarities in his game. It's just a matter of, Cleaning some some decision making things up, you know. Obviously, trying to force the play when he's a playmaker and he's playing with Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser and whatever, whatever tenth overall pick they get this year, you know, Zegris or Put Colson or Boldy, whatever they get. I mean, that's going to be the nucleus of an elite team in the Western Conference. And yeah, I agree. If if you got if you know points is a big deal when it comes to the Norris Trophy, unfortunately, uh, you know, and in in that regard you got to say that he is going to be but the, the thing is though he's he was in an elite draft class when it came to defensemen so he's going to have some competition no agree i think the thing the thing that interests the thing that's um so overwhelming with me with Quinn Hughes has always just been like his ability to read the play and to carry the puck is ridiculous like yeah. he really like he just i mean he literally dices through the zone at will at will, like he just—I yeah. mean—it doesn't even matter. Like it's just you just give him the puck, and it doesn't even matter what kind of coverage you put on him. He's just gonna—he's just gonna—he's just basically well, gonna cut right through you. And well, they—they they watch a lot of film. Know. You know, they watch a lot of film. The, the Hughes brothers, and so when you watch film, and 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 after a while, if you've watched, let's say, sixty zone exits into entries, right? Mm-hmm. By the time you're at center ice, if you watch sixty of the times that you've taken the puck from your own end across center ice. Out of those 60 times, let's just, I'm going to turn up some random numbers, but let's say you see 45 times that like that F1, that high forward right. is, is going to be within five to 10, let's say meters of you or, you know, two to five meters of you. Once you cross center, eventually you're going to say to yourself, well, shit, all I got to do is just pivot or, you know, make a, make a, make a spin move. And, right. and, and that guy's toast. Right. And that's what, ha- that's what, so it's a sixth sense that the elite players have. They, they right. and a lot of it comes from studying film. You don't just, you don't have an eye in the back of your head. It, it's just an unheard of, right. but it, it comes from studying the game. It's studying the tendencies of other players. Like, so if I've played team X eight times and every time I'm on the ice, number 24, you know, is on the other team is always shadowing me or trying to shadow me like a matchup issue. Uh, 
then I know his tendencies. I know how quick his feet are. I know uh, uh, when he likes to overcommit. I know, you know, when he likes to maybe cheat a little bit with his to try to go stick on buck. When the stick on puck happens, bam, I could just change gears and I'm gone. So, uh, yeah, there's the Hughes brothers are, are extremely intelligent. They are students of the game and, you know, stuff like that. You got to worry about it. If he goes to the Devils, man, this is what we got to deal with. So that's why we got to get a lot of good defensemen and, and goalies to, to kind of even it out a little bit. I, I agree. So speaking of, let's 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 get a little bit deeper in the draft now. So the you know obviously we, we've talked enough about using Kako. We could talk about them for hours, to be honest with you. But let's. I I think the more interesting thing is what the Rangers kind of do at twenty, and also there's this you know there's a couple rumors out there floating that the Rangers are going to either trade up, maybe they're going to trade some players because they they want more picks this year. Try to you know maybe they can trade a player to kind of get someone in the top ten again, or even just combine their 20th pick with something and then even slot up. So um, let's start with the 20th pick. Now, are there guys that you think might fall or guys you'd love at, at, at 20 that you're super high on? You can give me four or five guys that doesn't make a difference. Just throw some guys out there that you're super high on that you think could fall to 20. Uh, well, I mean, a lot of it, there's, there's some variables uh, that you have to factor in. Number one is put Coles in. He could be a huge variable because, uh, I mean, if you if you plug him into the uh, – he could really change the outcome. I think there's some guys that are going top 10 guaranteed. Hughes, Kako, Zegris, Byram, Boldy, Turcott. Uh, I think Cousins, you could throw him in there too. Obviously, I, I, I'm pretty – Steve, I know you too. Like, we're high on Dorofayev. I don't think he's going to go top 10. I love him. I, I'm, and I'm just saying, when all is said and done, he's going to have at least the ninth best career in the NHL. But – I, the Russian factor, the uh, stuff like that, I, I could just see him slipping a little bit. The other factor, too, is Spencer Knight. You know, I, I've got – and I don't – I'm just letting you guys know, I don't contact scouts for anything. I don't ask them their opinions. I don't do that. I just I, – I like to use my own opinions. I'm stubborn like that. But every now and again, I get random texts and DMs from all types of people, family, scouts, agents, front office types, you name it. Random, not all the time. But, you know, and I've had two people contact me, NHL-related people, one a front office type and one an agent, and they both said that multiple teams have Spencer Knight in their top five. So if that's the case, if that's the case, then you're going to see some guys shift down. The people that I have in my top 10 to 15, Lavoie, Kirby Doc, maybe Krebs, if you want to talk about his injury, I could see one of them slipping a little bit. You know, Alex Newhook, he had some little mini red flags in the beginning of the season. I could see him falling a little bit. Um, Victor Soderstrom, the concussion issues, does that, uh, does that bother people? Right. Uh, you know, so, you know, obviously you have the other one too is, is, is Broberg. Because some people, like, Broberg's agent sent me an email and I didn't respond to it. So Mr. Broberg's agent, I forgot his name. I'm sorry if I didn't respond to you because I don't want to put myself in that position, but... He was basically saying, like, why are you so low on my client? And I'm like, dude, it's not the NFL. Like, he's going to get paid as ELC no matter where he gets picked. It's not like you – the lower you go, the you know, the less money you make. And I don't even think I'm that influential to the point where they're going to listen to me. Uh, but he was asking me, like, why, why are you so low on my guy? Like, you know, who do you have scouting for you in Sweden? And so, you know, some – but it's like, you know, I, I, what you guys have said on the message boards, on Twitter, like – Broberg has potential to be a top five pick, but he could also be a, you know, a, 
So if Broberg is there at 20, you take him. You take Broberg. Even though I got him ranked, what, 26 or 28? If he's there at 20, he's BPA probably uh, for the Rangers if that's what their, their draft board looks like. Right. So there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of factors involved. To me, if they go with Kako and they already have uh, they already have Kravtsov, I would love for them to take Dorofayev. I really would. Uh, I don't know if they're going to take three wingers in a row, though, with first round, with like high first I'll, round. It, 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 it is funny how me, you, our buddy Drew, and Steve, and, and both of you guys, we all want Dorofayev. Yeah, yeah. Almost, yeah. I'm telling you, it is like it is a weird little Ranger thing, like in Ranger Twitter. Everyone wants kind of everyone I think I've spoken to is like, man, I, I want Dorofayev to fall to 20. And I think the Rangers will take. Well, you got to look at his skill set and how he fits. You're building a team. You don't want one strong line. You want two strong lines, at least. You want two elite scoring lines like Pittsburgh had. Exactly. Or, uh, you know, uh, the old Avalanche had. You know what I'm saying? Where they had Hayduk and Tange. You know, you're, you're like, you want to build that, that second line that the other team is like, well, shit. You know, we only have one good defense pairing. Now we got to put our scrubs against these guys. Right. So, you know, if you have Kako on one side and Kravtsov on another, you know, and, and they could interchange. I mean, it, it, kids are so young, you could put them out of position and they'll, eventually they'll figure it out. But if, if that's your top line, I don't know who the center is. Let's just say, you know, whoever the center is. Let's say it's, it's Heedle. Let's say it's Howden, uh, whomever. But now you got a second line. You got to build that second line. And Dorfayev, he's a playmaker and he's a finisher. And he's also, he's also very smart, too. So what kind of center are you going to put on his line? Can he be a 30 30 guy? Uh, a low maintenance type of 30 30 guy. And I think he can be. You don't need to have an elite playmaker to, ha- uh, to be that top six center for him. So that's why I'm so partial to him, is because I've seen him now. Spiridonov carried that line for a very long time, but it's not like he carried it because Sheshin and Door 5 were bad. Like they were all excellent plays. It just seemed like the center of gravity of that line was Spiridonov. It then shifted, though. And then Door 5 started taking over. And then they. they that team, Stanley Lisi, they, they mixed up their lines a bunch. Platanov, uh, Nikita Razkov, they were all mixed and matched and they had different centers all the time. And it doesn't matter who Dorofayev's center was, you got the same uh, production, you got the same smarts, the decision-making was all there. And then he goes to Metalurg and he's playing on the third line. People are like, well, he only had one goal. Like, dude, rushing prospects, they play like three seconds a game. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, I mean, the KHL is not a development league. People need no. to understand this. No, never has been. It's it's, it's uh, to give them an idea of what it's like to be in that locker room. Yeah. Sit next to Pavel Datsuk, sit next to Dodonov, sit next to Gusev or Kovalchuk or whatever. Mozyakin. Yeah, Mozyakin, yeah. I, basically, that, yeah, the same thing with Pudkols, and people say, well, look at his KHL stats. He was terrible. Now, I, I get the Pudkols, and that's another story for another time. But, you know, with Dorofayev, the question becomes – if you do you take the do you take him though like if he slips all the way down to twenty at least slips in our mind we don't know how other teams feel about him uh, to me if I could pick any player I wanted to uh, at that outside of let's say the traditional top 12, 11 guys I, I would take either Cider uh, or I would take Cam York okay. uh, and, and and more more York than Cider because I think Cider we have some some guys in in the system like him big mobile mean. I know he's a righty. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of righties like him in the system. But Cam York, if you watch him play this season, he was the head of that offense. I mean, Jack Hughes is a massive puck hog sometimes. Trevor Zegers could be a massive puck hog sometimes. But they always deferred to York. They always led him 
say, all right, you're going to break, you're going to initiate the breakout. And it's not easy. It's not easy to be a defenseman on the NTDP because you have all these forwards, type A personalities. They all want the puck. They're all the great players on their high school teams or their, you know, USPHL teams or whatever that, you know, York found a way to do it. And on top of that, the kid could freaking wire the puck. He's got good size. He's strong. He could skate. He's got great vision. I mean, he's talking about a kid that had two, seven, eight point games this year. And it's not because he was being uh, carried by the likes of Hughes and Zegers and Turcotte. No, I mean, listen, he obviously he benefited from them, but I just, the way that he processed the game, there's a lot of leech in him too. He's 5'11", buck 75, uh, January 2001 birthday. I, I just think that I, I like Nils Lundqvist a lot. I think that his ability to, to run a power play is, is pretty good. I just don't know if he's like going to be like a generational type of range of power play quarterback that we, to me, Brian Leach is the standard that I can't help that. I, I grew up with him as my, as my idol. And so, uh, and of course, Zubov too. Oh, so, don't, give me, don't, don't even give me talking on Zubov. I, so yeah. So, so, Hey, so have Lundquist. There you go. With all due respect to the, the, the Yego Rikovs and the Libor Hayeks and all these other defensemen that we have in the prospect pool, that, top power play unit, you got Nils Lundqvist on one side and then Cam York on the other. I mean, you are going to murder other teams. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that on paper. Like, this is how good these kids are distributing the puck, so. Doesn't it piss you off that we had Leach and Zubov at some point and we decided to get rid of Zubov? Oh, such a, Neil Smith made a lot of great moves, but. Fucking, that was just that, that, I, I, If you go back and read why he. This is literally one of the worst trades that they've ever made. Yeah, but the 95 playoff series against Philly was a was a sign that the league was changing. You know what I mean? And so Neil Smith, I guess, didn't have the foresight to say, I could, I could keep Zubov and just make the rest of my team bigger and stronger. Like, that's why they went out and they, they signed Mike Keenan and Scrooland to UFA deals. Why? Because they're big and tough and strong and defensive-minded. You could balance out your team in another way and still keep and, make, and, still, and still have an elite team. Well, the, the problem was that the original trade was to trade Zubov for, for Solani. There was actually a rumor, and this is true. I'm not making this up. Kevin Boltupont reported in 1990. I hate saying it, but I could digest that a lot easier than the trade they made. Well, listen, in 1993, the Rangers, and after 92, the Rangers gave Brian Leach the biggest contract, I think, in NHL history for a defenseman. All right? He had the 100-point season. He, he won the Norris in 92. And so Harry Sinden in Boston went ballistic. And he went on a public, a very public assault on Neil Smith, saying that Ray Bork should be the best, uh, highest-paid defenseman in the league and that and Bork's contract was coming up. So Kevin Paul Dupont, who covers the Bruins, he was the beat writer for the Bruins back then. I don't know if it was a rumor that he got from sources or he just was doing a Larry Brooks and just speculated, said that, there was a rumor, I guess, that the Rangers were my, and the Rangers were just coming off of a horrible season. This was '93, then, so fast forward one year, the horrible loss season of '92, '93. Yeah, there bad. was a rumor that Zuboff, Kovalev, and Richter, because Richter was terrible in '93, were being rumored as part of a package to Boston for, for Ray Bork, and that Sinden, because Bork held out, he was holding out, and Sinden said, "Enough is enough," and he. So everyone wanted Zuboff. The trade that Neil Smith was going to make, though, was going to be for Solani. It was going to be Zuboff and I think somebody else for uh, Timu Solani, who had an off year. And what happened was Solani got into a car accident, I think, and that might have concerned Smith. And then so then they they moved to Nedved, who's who's pretty good. I like I like the trade at the time. 
Um, but, uh, you know, uh, actually, no, the Nedved trade was laid out. I, who was Zubov traded for? Zubov traded for Robitaille. It was Robitaille. Yeah, that, that, Zubov traded for Robitaille. It was, it was Nedved and Zubov for Robitaille, yeah. yeah. Robitaille and Samuelson. Yeah. Yeah, It's yeah, a hor- yeah. horrific trade. Yeah. Anyway, anyway uh, uh, to start to circle back to the twentieth overall pick, um, yeah. you know, and and Dorofiev, uh, I'll tell you a, a funny story uh, from last November. Um, I went to Hodonin uh, for the under twenty four nations. Uh, a couple of friends of mine from Florida were visiting me, so we rented a car, drove up there, and uh, it was uh, Sweden against Russia, and the second game was Finland against the Czech Republic. The first game, Sweden, Russia, uh, Lundqvist was in that game, Kravtsov, and Dorofiev was, was playing in that game as well. And Denisenko had a great game. Podkolzin was there. So I was looking at all these prospects. And, and funny story, I met Gordy Clark at that game and had like a, a 15, 20-minute conversation with him during intermission. Um, I never expected to run into Gordy Clark, of all people, in Europe while, while attending a game. But... Um, the one thing that, that impressed me about Dorofiev is um, that he, after the game, uh, you know, they went into the dressing room and they changed and showered and everything. They come out and there's a couple of kids asking for autographs and like 10, 12 Russian players are already in the bus. And Dorofiev and Kravtsov walk up to the bus and ask, tell all the players to come back out and pose for photos and hand out autographs to these kids. Oh, that is that is something I love. And that just, to me, that shows me that Dorofiev has the character that the Rangers are looking for. Yeah. That's a, that's a good call. So, so aside, aside from Dorofiev, I know there's some other guys that we've discussed either on our podcast or things that I know that I, I've heard the, you know, players that the Rangers might like or whatever. One guy that, um, that's come up a few times is uh, Nils Hoglander. So can you tell us a little about him, Steve? Yeah, he's a high-energy guy. I love him. You know, the thing about Hoglander, and Door 5 falls into this category too, the late birthdays, the guys that are born the, in the, from September 16th to December 31st of their first year of eligibility, they are not allowed, and it's a stupid rule. I wish they changed it. It's really dumb because it prevents these guys from playing in all the elite tournaments for the 18s. They, they can't play in the, in the... If you're born... In January 1st to September 15th of your draft year, your first year of eligibility, you could play in the Five Nations. You could play in the Helenka. You could play in the Five Nations tournament in November. You could play in the Five Nations tournament if you're European in uh, for certain countries in December. You could play in the Five Nations. You could play in the World Juniors if you're good enough. You could play in the Five Nations tournament in February, and then you could play in the World Championships, the Under 18 World Championships against your own peers. I mean, what what we talk about a difference of three four months? It's not that big of a difference. No, it's not uh, in the grand scheme of thing. So Hoglander, because of his age, he played some games or some tournaments with the under-18 team last year with Sweden. But this year, he played with the, 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 the under-20 national team. And as he started off his year great uh, playing at the, uh, the – it was a four-nations tournament for the under-20s in the beginning of the year. And he was the best player for Sweden, in my opinion, uh, playing with a lot of NHL uh, draft picks on that team. So yeah, I agree. The thing about Hoglander, what I love is his effort. I mean, he's 5'9", a buck 85, left wing, could play right wing too. He's a tricky guy. I, I, you know, people saw the YouTube video where he scored the, the lacrosse goal. Um, yep. But he's, a, he's just, a, a, he hits, he gets in on the four check. It's, to me, it's all about effort. Now, of course, he's got skill. He's a top-line player uh, for, the, for the, uh, some of the Swedish junior teams that he played for. Playing for Rogla. Rogla was not a very co- uh, good team in the beginning of the season, 
and they they obviously you limit the rookies' minutes. You don't blame the rookie, but you that's just how it goes. You try to find some solutions. Then Rogler started to turn it around. I'm not going to say it was all because of Hoglander and his limited minutes, but when Rogler started to turn their season around, Hoglander saw more ice time. And listen, you look at his stats. I think his stats are similar to Leah Sanderson's with HB 71, you know, like nine goals, eight assists, or something like that. But it's not about the stats. It's about what he brings to the ice. When you watch him play, he's noticeable. He gets in on the forecheck. Like I said, he finishes his checks. He knows how High to energy. Yeah, he knows how to run a power play from the half wall. He's not just this like buzzsaw kind of a guy. Uh, so he's he's not as uh, I guess as heavy and dirty and I guess abrasive as as uh, Alvin Graver. Uh, but to me, Graver gets that reputation. He's more notable now because we see him in all the notable tournaments, and a lot of those tournaments this year were in North America. So I like him a lot. I think he'd be, he's actually ranked 20th for me in my final rankings. Oh, wow. I love yeah. him. I, I am pro Hoglander. I hated knocking him down in the rankings, uh, but it was more just a matter of seeing. I saw a lot of Hoglander the last two years. Some of those other guys, I didn't see a whole lot and I had to catch up with them. So uh, he would fit. I think he would fit the range of mold. I don't know what, I don't know what he's like off the ice in the locker room, but he would fit that mold like a fan favorite type. And, you know, I, I think he would compliment Leah Sanderson pretty well. You know, I, I got to go back and dig in the archives to see if they played with each other in any international tournaments. But, you know, we, we, people complained about Leah this year because he wasn't really creating a whole lot much. He looked a little bit slower. It doesn't matter. His game is predicated on hard work, effort, and making time and space, you know, drawing attention because he's so strong on the puck that he might have to draw a double team. That could open up room for a guy like Hogland. I just think the two of them together would be a great fit. Uh, not because they're Swedish, but because you know you got the hardworking, hard-nosed defensive specialist who could also score, you know, do a lot of blood and guts, uh, score a lot of blood and guts goals for you versus the skill guy like Hoglander who could pivot and dangle and toe drag and uh, things like that. So uh, you know, if you you want to build a team that's going to be annoying to play against, and Nils Hoglander is annoying to play against. I like, yeah, I like and, it. and and if you if you put him, let's say if we draft him and you put him on a line three four years from now with Brendan Lemieux and Leas Anderson as a third line, that's gonna be that's gonna be a nightmare to play against. Yeah, yeah. And I agree, uh, Steve. You you don't need. Here's the thing: you don't need to draft an all star, especially now with the Rangers how how deep their pool is and how many picks they've assembled. You don't need to draft an all star with a first round pick if it's going to be late. You just need to draft an NHL player. Who's yeah. going to contribute? And if you look at the all the Stanley Cup teams in the past, they have guys on their third and fourth line or bottom pairing that were first round picks that uh, didn't necessarily live up to expectations, but they contribute. So yeah, uh, like like Marcus Johansson, Andre Burakovsky on, on yeah, the yeah, yeah, good good you examples, know, good just examples. Two examples. But yeah, if we do draft Hoglander, I'm going to be happy because you know he's going to play with Jakub Ragnarsson, so it gives me another reason to go to a Hoglander game. Because Jakob Ragnarsson moved from uh, Antuna to Rogla in the offseason. Yeah, yeah, and that's going to be interesting to see. He He's a good prospect. I, I He's the one guy that I, I was a little miffed that they mm -hmm. passed on some guys I obviously was biased towards. But out of all the defensemen that they picked, he was one that kind of made sense to me a little bit. Like, I gave him, I think, a B grade because I'm like, you know what? You watched him play in the old Svenskin. He, he, was, a, he was a clean puck mover, uh, you know, no-nonsense guy. And so... Uh, you know, he's one of those guys, he's one of those sleeper guys in the prospect pool, uh, you know, that if you watch him play how poised and mature he is, and he's got the, the NHL bloodlines as well. So he actually knows a thing or two about the North American game. 
His uh, dad played for the Sharks, I think. Marcus? Yeah, Marcus? yeah, yeah. And so the one thing about these Europeans when they, when they go back to Europe, what you notice when they have kids is they definitely – I think there's one kid in, in, in this year's draft that I love. Steve, you might be familiar with him, Albert Johansson. Um, his father was Roger Johansson, who played for the Flames – a cup of coffee, a couple, couple years in the late uh, – mid to late 90s, maybe 94, 95, 96 – but this kid, he's played on all the under-18 teams for Sweden. Uh, I, he played for Frölunda. And mm-hmm. I, I love this kid. He hits. He could skate. He could move the puck. He's basically like a stronger version of – well, not, I wouldn't say stronger version of, of Lundqvist because he's, he's bigger and he's just a different skill set. But in terms of like a power play quarterback but a, a violent one, a guy that knows how to be physical as well and skate uh, is a guy that I think hopefully – listen, the Rangers do a lot of drafting in Sweden and Finland, and there's a lot of – this year, I spent more time this year watching those kids than any other year, and I'm hoping that they, they go after some of these defensemen. There's a great crop of Finnish defensemen uh, uh, this year. There's a great crop of Swedish defensemen, too. So yeah. we'll see what the range is, how they attack. Yeah, like, uh, like, that, like that kid from, uh, from Finland. What's his name? Uh, Heinola. Villa uh, Heinola. Villa Heinola. I, 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 I actually uh, look. Any, any, any little clips I've watched him, I thought he was pretty good. Uh, he's got some delean in him. Watch him. Watch him with the puck. Uh, when he's running a power play uh, and how he jumps into openings, I mean, Deline made a made a living doing that. I'm not calling him Rasmus Deline, so don't uh, people go crazy out there. Mm-hmm. But there, and there's there's some like leech to him too. Like leech used to have this this thing that he would do with Graves or Messier, where uh, they would almost play like they would two on one someone up high, and then the opponent would get fixated on either Graves or Messier or Monty or whoever it was. And Leach would then button hook and go right to the low slot and a backdoor pass, and you'd get a wrist shot for the upper corner. That's what Hainola does. I love it. I, when I see defensive do that, I'm going to give you a high ranking. If you even do it once, yeah, I, it's because that's hockey sense. That's that, that's that's hockey sense. That's anticipating a play that before it happens. So uh, yeah, I'm a huge. I have I got Hainola ranked 15, uh, 5'11", buck 78. So listen, you know. So you, I, you'd be, you'd be happy with a Hainola pick at 20 then. I Oh yeah, I think he'll be gone though. I think I think the Canadians are going to take Canadians are going to take a power play quarterback. The p- power play was so bad this year that they might reactionary. Listen, we took McElrath after was it Carcillo beat up Gabrick and Girardi watched on. <laughs> so Montreal had the worst power play in franchise history. They're going to draft the power play quarterback. Yeah, I can see that. Um, what yeah, about, um, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, so quickly on the um, the defensemen that are in the Rangers system at the moment. You know, everyone if if you look at Sweden, the only thing that 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 people would notice is Nils Lundqvist. But the, this past season, uh, Jakub Ragnarsson and Kalle Hjallin had, had, for me, absolutely good seasons. Yep. Hjallin actually uh, won promotion with his team Lexan to the SHL, missed some time with a concussion, but the games he did play, he was, he was really good. And Ragnarsson, his team was uh, relegated to the Hockey Etan, which is the third level. But despite that, Rogli in the SHL offered him a contract. That, that just tells you how good of a season he had in, in the Osvensko. So I just wanted to add that to what, what you said, Steve, about Ragnarsson. Yeah, well, Shaleen, where did I see Shaleen? I saw at the Halenka. I think it was the Halenka. Oh, no, it wasn't the Halenka. I saw him somewhere, and I, I, wrote, I wrote down his name. I said yeah. this was before, early in his draft year. And uh, I said, you know what? I like this kid. I, this kid's got to say he could move the puck. He's smart. He's poised. Uh, he could be physical if he has to be. Uh, so that's the one guy that we've kind of slept on. 
You know what I mean? Because I, sometimes I get, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit that I'm guilty of doing this, that we get fixated on the, uh, the, the bad moves or the, the uh, uh, not bad, but the unpopular moves that a team might make. And so you, you, you focus on those rather than focusing on one of the good picks they might've made in the later rounds. And Shaleen was a kid that, uh, you know, I, I, this, I wrote that he was, a, a, I had him ranked 198 in my rankings that year. That this is what I wrote. He's a clean, no nonsense rear guard in the mold of former fan favorite Anton Strawman. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I, so for that, I, now they took Brandon Crawley, like in Locados, a couple of picks ahead of them. Um, and those were the ones I was a little, well, not really Locados, but Crawley was the one I was upset about. But uh, yeah, like you said, Steve, they, they have built a system where they have had, they have guys in college, they got guys in Europe. And for whatever reason, the Rangers aren't big. CHL guys, they, they they don't draft a whole lot of people out of the Canadian Hockey League, so and I think part of that I don't is think we, we we very rarely draft out of, no. out of the Canadian no. League. Period. It's 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 no. it's actually the one the one area we don't scout enough. Actually, I think it's contract related. I think it's it's the AHL rule. I think the Rangers like their kids to prove themselves against all the competition, whether it be in the NCAA's or in Europe, and they could and also you get a little bit more leeway. Look at the Red Wings. Look at the Red Wings in the two seventeen the twenty seventeen draft where they had five picks that went unsigned. That was only two years ago. They, and some of them were third-round picks. Now, the Red Wings had 5,000 picks that year. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, so I think the Rangers don't want to put themselves in that position where they say, well, we got all these CHL kids. Because the thing is, the CHL, they're scared, man. They're losing imports. They have an import rule. And all these imports now are going to the USHL. The NTDP is outproducing them in terms of NHL quality talent. They're losing money at the gate. Um, that's they're the ones that started the whole rumor about raising the draft age because they don't want to lose these kids at 17. They want to keep them over the year and get people into the building. So I think the Rangers understand all that. They know, like, hey, listen, if we draft a kid out of the CHL, I mean, we, if we don't play him in the AHL and prove himself in that first year, we're going to lose him. And you run the risk of giving an ELC to someone that might not necessarily really deserve one. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think they've done well though with their latest CHL round. But I liked I like uh, Tyroning and Sean Day was a good pick for where he went. Uh, but uh, you know other other guys in terms of high, I think I wrote it in the in the draft preview. Uh, yeah, the Rangers have not drafted a Canadian-born CHL. So that's all three leagues in any of the last two drafts, and only one Quebec league since 2015. So 15, 16, 17, 18, that's four drafts. And uh, they've drafted only one kid from out of the Quebec League and barely, you know, they've had some w- WHL picks and, uh, you know, obviously some OHL picks. But, uh, and here's another one. Since uh, the Rangers have made up for by, they've taken 10 American-born prospects since 2014. So it's double than what they've taken out of Canada, Canadian-born kids. Wow. Uh, and they have not taken a CHL prospect in the first round since 2009 um, or 2010. That was Dylan McElrath. So, and um, yes, and they haven't drafted from the QMJHL in the first round since 1977. Yeah, yeah. Bruin. He, he was, was the last yeah. one. And that that was wasn't that ahead of Bossy? That was the infamous. That the, was he was he was picked ahead of Bossy. Yes, yeah. I, I, I mean I was born in '84, so I wasn't there to uh, to bitch about it. But yeah, looking back, that was uh, not well, the I, best. I got a cousin. I got a cousin who's an Islander fan. He never he never lets me forget that one. And so yeah. you know, maybe there was. A, a league, a, a team-wide memorandum 
top secret memorandum saying we will never draft another quarterback <laughs> in the first yeah, round. Yeah, and you know the other thing is, and this is huge, and I think the Rangers really. This is one of the reasons why they go with European players so regularly. When you draft an 18 or 19 year old from Europe, you retain their rights for four years. When you when you draft a player from the CHL, OHL, WHL, QMJHL, whatever. Their rights expire in two years, and you have to sign them, or they re-enter the draft. Yeah. Um, and their scouting—they've beefed up their scouting a little bit. They hired former Seattle Thunderbirds head coach uh, Steve Konowalczuk, another sure. Steve. Yep. Um, so they're probably looking more towards maybe in, in this case at least the WHL. But I don't think they are confident with high picks, or sorry, sorry, I don't think they are confident with lower picks to draft a player that you have to make a decision 24 months down the road. Whereas if you draft a guy like Kalle Hjolin in the fifth round in 2017, Tormo Reunanen a year before in 2016, it gives you more flexibility. It gives you four years to determine whether or not you want to sign this player. A difference is when you draft Lakatos or Patrick Verta when they're 20 or older, their rights only last for two years. But if it's an 18 or 19-year-old playing in Europe, their rights last for four whole years and that gives you so much more time to determine whether or not you want to give them an entry-level contract yeah I think and that's, uh, and, that's and actually on, on to one more thing i wanted to add on that if they do go with chl guys they should go with guys like uh and i'm not, not talking about skill but zadina or sandin guys that are playing in the chl on loan from a european team because yeah. that way they are eligible to play in the ahl before they turn 20. Yeah, the the CHL imports are good, are always good options. The thing is, though, I think this year might be different because they because the quality of of the WHL, the OHL is terrible. Next year is going to be interesting because it's a going to be a banner year for the CHL. They have outstanding product. They're going to have the first overall pick. They're going to have the second overall pick. Uh, so I, I think this is like the the um, the basically the the lowest ebb of the CHL's developmental, I guess, uh, history where. You know, looking through the, I mean, looking down the list, you got Bowen Byram's going to be a high pick, but these are all WHL kids. The mm-hmm. OHL crop is terrible. Uh, and that's why you want to talk about options at 20. I talked to some Ranger fans I talked to. They're interested in Ryan Suzuki, uh, the other, uh, the Italian kid, Tomasino. Uh, and I, I think, and Kaliev is another one. The thing is, though, is you have to wonder like, are, are people pumping these kids up? Because they're really elite prospects, or is the OHL and you know some Canadian-based outlets pumping them up because they need to have representation up there? You know, I love Suzuki, so I, I have him in my top twenty-one, but he's my highest OHL guy. I don't have any OHL guys in my top twenty, and that's going to be a if the draft goes the way we think it will. I don't think Tomasino or Kaliev, or, well, maybe Kaliev, but or Suzuki is going to go top ten. It's going to be the first time in history that's that's ever happened. Where no OHL player goes top ten, I think. I think the first time in history. So, I think the Rangers view the WHL kids as elite. Krebs, Byram, Cousins, Doc. So I wouldn't be surprised if there is a trading up uh, situation where you know you got a guy like Kirby Doc, who is an elite big body playmaker. So I, I think they might have that conversation and say, "Hey guys, you know we never really take these these CHL kids high anymore, and we've had some." Decent success, I guess, and with our recent first-round picks. Uh, but, you know, it, it, I think a draft, to me, I think a draft board is a draft board. Like, they don't care if the kid plays, you know, on 
13th Avenue or he plays in Vienna <laughs> or he plays in Nashville. If the kid is a stud, they're going to put him high in the draft board. It's just a matter of, you know, I just like to report the trends just because it's just, you know, I think it's newsworthy. But at the same time, you know, I, I don't think that the Rangers are going to be too keen on, on CHL guys in the first round. I think if they do trade up, uh, Maybe the one thing that we've talked about, I know I've talked about with other people before, is that if they do get Hughes, let's say you know 10% chance they get Hughes, then uh, you're going to want to find the winger for him. If they get Kako and they trade up, do they want to match him with the center? So if Peyton Krebs falls at 20, yeah, you're drafting Peyton Krebs. I don't care if he played in the Quebec League, W, whatever. Like you know, You're getting an elite two-way center right there. Nice compliment to Kako. So, uh, you know, obviously... The Rangers have always been pro-USA, pro-Europe. That's why the Canadian media doesn't really give them a whole lot of attention. If you ever watch the Rangers in the playoffs on a Canadian channel, they get no love. <laughs> there's just nothing positive to be said about anything Ranger-related because there's really no Canadian angle with them. So, well, uh, there, aren't, there aren't that many Canadians on the Rangers. If you look at, no. if you look at other teams, I mean, St. Louis won the Cup uh, with 19 Canadians playing for them this season. Yeah. And did Don Cherry, did Don Cherry uh, keep track of that stat? Is that how you know? I... <laughs> no, I actually checked it because someone asked me on Twitter. So I, yeah. I had a couple of minutes to spare. So went to hockeyreference.com and just went through the previous cup winners. But yeah. I mean, the Rangers, they, 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 the last decade or maybe even longer, they, they are not known for having, for, for having a lot of Canadians on their team. Yeah. And Gordy Clark is a, is a Canadian guy. Uh, you know, Gordon obviously is a New England guy. Drury's a New England guy. Um, Brian Leach is a New England guy. So, you know, that, that might also tie into, uh, David Quinn is a New England guy. I mean, we could go down the list. These are all Northeastern American types who, uh, you know, but they obviously, like you said, they beefed up their scouting in the WHL. And so I'm curious, I'm really curious. I'm not going to be mad what they do this year. I think last year was, I don't think they're going to do what they did last year, which would confuse a lot of us. Upset might be too strong of a word, but they definitely confuse a lot of us. I think with this year, considering the, the the talent within that top, let's say twenty. I mean, there are tiers, and that that let's say fifteen to to twenty five tiers is still a good one. You could come away with a Hogland or a York or a Suzuki or a um, you know a Bjornfot or a, a Kaliev or a you know. I mean, you go down the list. Uh, they're gonna walk away with a good pledge. It's a matter of uh, you know what their draft board looks like, and we're not gonna find out until the day of the draft. So yeah, exactly. You know, if, if there's one player that I want the Rangers to draft just to confuse fans, it's uh, Alexander Lundqvist in like the seventh yeah. round or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take him, add him to the system, and confuse all their fans. He, he's <laughs> yeah. a good. He's well, a good like guy. nine Lundqvist on the team. No, he he's a different. He's physical. He's a he's a uh, he's a pretty good defenseman. He, he's not like a. Uh, you hear the name Lundqvist, you think of, oh, is he, is he a small puck mover? Like, Alexander Lundqvist, is a, he's a physical guy. He's a you know, pretty good defenseman, so I wouldn't mind that pick at all. Yeah. I, 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 so so uh, one thing I definitely want to ask before before we close this out is I want to touch really quick on there's this notion out there that the Rangers are trading up or they're going to look to. Now, one player that I know for a fact that um, the Rangers are absolutely in love with is Trevor Zegras. Is there any chance they trade up for Trevor Zegras? Because I, I don't see him going past. I don't, I don't think Zegras is going to be there past five. No, but here's the thing you got to ask yourself is you, you, it takes two to tango. So what are you giving another team to trade that asset, right? You're talking right. about an elite offensive center that has 80 to 90 point potential. 
So if the Rangers want Trevor Zegers, and they should, you know, I'm, I know Ranger fans will be concerned because he's a New York kid. He grew up a Ranger fan, so we haven't had good luck with that. You know, with the Jessamans and the Sanganettis and uh, well, I don't know if the Ferraros are Ranger fans, but uh, I think that if you look at the teams that are picking in that top 10 outside of Colorado, they're all in pretty, pretty like, I guess not bad shape, but they, they need help. They, they need that pick, they, whether it be uh, Vancouver still rebuilding. They need to start making the playoffs to make that push. Uh, Edmonton, we all know Edmonton's problems. Buffalo has a ton of problems. Detroit has a ton of problems. You know, Edmonton and Detroit have new arenas, and they're not, you know, they're having issues filling it up. L.A. is having tons of issues. Uh, even the Devils, they, they now they took a step back after that that fun season for them. And obviously, the Rangers need a, a lot of help. So, what team are you going to convince in that? You know, maybe Colorado at four. But what do the Rain- Colorado's in a win now mode? They won their playoff series now. They 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 have one of the elite lines in hockey. They have the best, arguably the best defense prospect outside of the NHL. Who I know he played in the playoffs, but Kale McCaw. So what what are they looking at? And then also they got it. They got to pick at sixteen. So maybe Colorado could say, hey, you know what? I'll give you four if you give me like you know your next two first rounders and give me number twenty and then right. let's say give me Chris Kreider. Like I I don't know what Joe Sackick's brain is telling him right now, because I, and I would, I would feel very uneasy trading with Joe Sackick because he, he, he likes to just absolutely, you know, destroy people in trades. Well, so. and that, that was funny how we were all knocking him for being incompetent and a novice. And he waited no, till the next hour. He's, actually and turned, he's, he's big, turned out to be a very good GM. Yeah. I, I, I love Zegris. I, I love Matt Boldy too. If I could pick, if I look at that top 10, in terms of players that I'm really partial to, but Colson is obvious. I can't help it. I, I just, I, li- I like the way the, and Byram is another one, but Zegris and Boldy more, more than Turcotte and Caulfield to me, Zegris and Boldy were able to kind of really stand out for me uh, when I got a chance to watch them. And I think that those are the kind of players for different reasons you're going to want to have on your team. Obviously, uh, Turcotte is an outstanding 200-foot center. He could fly. He's got the NHL bloodlines, everything. But the Boldy is, to me, like a, a Hossa-Bergeron hybrid in terms of his his finesse and his his size and his skill. Uh, and then Zegras, to me, I know I, I, I've thrown around Matt Barzell. I, I think he's better than Matt Barzell. Matt Barzell was a monster in Seattle in his draft year, and he made Ryan Gropp. Ryan Gropp was okay without him, but uh, Keaton Colasar, like, they had a good team, and Obviously, Barzell is a fantastic player, but Zegris has outplayed Jack Hughes. There have been periods where Zegris was the was the guy, whether he was on Hughes' flank or, you know, Hughes was gone. You know, I first saw Zegris at the USHL playoffs, and um, Hughes was with uh, Turcotte and York at, and Wallstrom and all of them at the under-18 Worlds. And they played Chicago, and Zegris, I mean, you know, I take notes at these games, and I, I ran out of paper. I ran out of room to write about this this stuff. Uh, for him, he was that special of a talent. So he's going to be a number one center in the NHL. I think he's going to be a big time point producer. I would love for the Rangers to try to get him. Uh, I, I just, it would take a lot, man. You, you're talking about trading away Heedle, trading like you know, like, that's what Sackett's going to want. Sackett ain't going to want. You know, he's going to want some NHL established guys. I mean, he might ask for Mika. I mean, I mean that's he's that kind of a prospect. So uh, yeah, no, and that's a that's a fair ask. I I, I totally understand. Uh, I, I mean, like I said, I just, I don't see Zegers passing, you know, five, 
But if he if he does for whatever reason, I I think that things could get seriously interesting. I mean, I, there are a couple of teams I threw out there that could be interesting trading partners, whether that's trading up from twenty or trading outright for a pick. Um, some teams that kind of jumped at me were like Buffalo jumped at me a little bit, Edmonton. Um, I could see Vancouver trading their pick outright if they're looking to make a splash and they're kind of at their draft and they maybe that they, maybe the player they don't really want right you know there's not a kid that they want and they want to draft them maybe they just want a NHL player to plug in and start getting excited because Pedersen is looking like to be the best player in that draft and I can't believe I'm saying that yeah um, but you know what I'm saying like they they've got a bunch of studs there so I could see Vancouver saying let's just add another player to this mix and and try to try to go not go for it, but try to make the playoffs now one thing that 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 developed yesterday which is interesting and I'm this is just speculating but you know so Chicago goes out and they acquire Oli Mata. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so, that was a terrible trade. And so now the the the, the knee jerk reaction is like, well, they're not taking Byram now because they, well, but Byram is a lefty and he's a different type of player than Olimata. And Boom Byram is not going to make necessarily make the Blackhawks a better team if he goes there. Um, but at the same time, I do know that the Kings want Byram. Right? They want him. A lot of teams want Byron, but I think the Kings really want Byron. Uh, so uh, if anything, if there is any movement in that first round, you might see a situation where Chicago, if they, because remember Alex Turcotte is an Illinois native and a Blackhawks, you talk to the Blackhawk people, you talk to Blackhawk fans, what the fans, we don't know anything, but the Blackhawks people will kind of lead you to believe that, you know, based on the rhetoric, there's a really good chance that they end up taking Alex Turcotte. He fills a need. He could be a nice transition generation-wise from uh, Jonathan Taves. But does Chicago go to L.A. and say, all right, listen, we're not telling you who I've taken, but you want number three? It's going to cost you. And so maybe see three and four uh, or four, three and five uh, flip-flop if they're worried that Colorado is going to take Byram. So I, but, you know, again, it's going to be – it's going to cost a lot of money. All these kids in this top tier, this top 11, if you want to go, maybe even 12 – and that's not counting Spencer Knight. These are generation, not generational, I'm sorry, franchise carrying types of prospects. So a team, if they're going to trade out of that, they have to accept the fact that they might be on the wrong end of one of the worst trades in NHL history. And, I, you know, unless a GM is on his last legs, like, oh, my God, I'm going to get fired next week. I got to build a, a, a playoff team. Uh, you know, I, I don't see it happening, but. You know, if the well, Rangers, tra- if the Rangers yeah. trade up to, into that area, it's going to be freaking good. It's going to be costly. It well, will. no, I agree. I mean, the, re- the reason why I brought up Buffalo is I-, I could see them looking at their team and saying, you know, they, they you know, they just gave um, um, a bunch of money to why, why am I drawing a blank on his name right now? Jeff Skinner. Skinner. Jeff Skinner right. Who, yeah. I mean, I like Jeff's like, l- don't get it twisted. I really like Jeff Skinner as a player. Um, you're giving him quite a lot of money. I get it. You want him to stay in Buffalo. I get it. Fine. Okay. So you got Skinner, you got Dylene, you know, you, you got a bunch of, you know, you got a lot, you got some talent there. You're building something. So maybe they want to try to get over that hump because I, I remember before the season started, I thought Buffalo would actually sneak into the playoffs and they actually started, they got out the gate pretty, pretty good. And then they just kind of tailed off. Best but team in thing, hockey uh, by Thanksgiving. Yeah, they, exactly. So is it possible that they look at themselves and say, we should probably make a move. So let's yeah. maybe trade our pick outright for, you know, someone we could slot in our top six and maybe make some noise in this division. Well, Philly, Philly is another team that's rumored to be dangling that pick because they, they're just tired of losing two and they have, they already have a zillion prospects. So what's this one going to do? Uh, so if, if that's the case though, uh, is Buffalo's rebuilding team in the conference? Um, you know, uh, Philly's a rebuilding team in the conference. 
the Rangers would have to find a good trading partner. Obviously, Arizona's not there to, to maybe if they could find a work a deal with Arizona. I don't know. The, the credit thing is interesting though because it, well, it, I, I, and I'm glad you brought that up, Alex. I mean, that was my final question: is Do you think Kreider was traded? I actually, I actually would put money on it right now. He's traded. I really I think he's, I think he's traded, going. but I don't think it's going to be at the draft. I think he'll get traded at the deadline. Mm. I think you're going to get more. I think you'd get more from on the floor than you would at the deadline, though. Absolutely. But the, the question is: Remember, again, you want to talk about rhetoric and. What are the Rangers saying out of these all these press conferences? Aggressive. JD comes in. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to be aggressive. Panarin, uh, you know, uh, Duchesne or whatever. Whatever their plan is, to me, I interpret that as like Dolan's mad at losing money. Uh, and Dolan has uh, – he's been saving money uh, payroll-wise the last couple of years uh, with all these kids playing. So uh, is, the, is the mandate going to be – Let's let's the gloves are off. Let's go out and oh, Philly's going to compete. Now we're going to compete. Well, we'll match them. You know, us uh, UFA for UFA or RFA for RFA. Is Truba going to be a Ranger? Like you, you just never know. Uh, but you know, me, I, I think that the Rangers should just. I just want them to wait one more, <laughs> wait one more year, and maybe if they could, uh, you know, trade Kreider. And I hate to say this, some people get mad at me, but uh, try to trade Henrik if he agrees and. And go kind of move forward and, and go with a young goalie tandem and then let these kids start playing and maybe get a shot at a, a Lafreniere. I mean, think about it. If I'm willing to wait one more year of bad hockey to get the chance of Kako and Lafreniere as your top two players, and then, oh, by the way, we have Krabs of two, like that is what's going to make you, you know, a, a multi. I don't know, not multi, but it's just a perennial Stanley Cup favorite, let alone a Stanley Cup contender. So I don't know. No, I, I think you make a good point. I, I mean, my only my only point or my only uh, opinion uh, for the Kreider thing is, and I, I and I think because I, I go back to JD for a second, and he every con- press conference he's done, every interview he's done since he's been hired as the president has been about constantly pe- preaching patience. He's mentioned that word. I, I, I've listened to his interviews almost exclusively to hear how many times I've heard this word. And it's absurd how many times he mentions the word patience. He mentions it enough because he wants that to be a buzzword in your head that like, listen, we're doing this the right way because we want to be good. And I'm not going to do something dumb just because I'm going to have pressure from above. And I really believe that. And I really believe him and Jeff Gordon, I really believe both of them are not going to get any kind of pressure. I don't, I don't think they're going to care about that. I think when they say we're going to, we're gonna, we want to speed this thing along. I think they, what they mean by that is we just want to get we, – we, we're not going to go out and sign a guy for no reason unless we, unless we think he's going to be here for the next several years. That's my thought process, which is why, for me, if, it's, if they, tra- they can trade Kreider, get a lot for him, and then just go out and go sign you – know, if they, they're, they're worried about, oh, we're not going to get any production from our top six now that we've moved Kreider out of the mix. The, and, and Artemi Panarin, who's – I hate to say it, like, I mean – Chris Kreider on his best day can't shine his shoes. He no, really can't. Like, that's how no. good. That's how good. Artemi Panarin would immediately come on this team and be your best player. But remember that Kreider is, is playoff tested, and a lot of teams like that. So I think he. I think you know the Rangers have to ask themselves. Th- this is where it comes into Dolan and you know competing again, and if they're going to be aggressive in the offseason, if they are going to be that is. Well, if we want to make the playoffs, like we, we want to have a guy that's been there before for us, right? We, we want a guy who's playoff tested, playoff proven to a certain extent. So if you if you if the goal is to make the playoffs, why don't you just add Panarin? Because they have cap space. Why don't you just add Panarin to Kreider? You know what I'm saying? So you could have 
let's say, have them in your top six and add Mika in there, maybe go out and get a, another player or another defenseman and see how that goes. But uh, I, I see why. Listen, Braden Shen was traded to deadline. Uh, we, we've seen big names, uh, not necessarily UFAs, pending UFAs traded. Uh, I think Carlson, right? EK was traded yeah. uh, near the draft too. So um, it's just a matter of, like I said, I, I, I wish I knew it was a fly in the wall in that room and what their intent. So I'm just, I'm, I'm as a Ranger fan, as a very battle-scarred and bruised Ranger fan, I'm used to them when they say they're going to spend, they're, they're going to go spend. And when the when there's smoke, there's fire. LeBron tweeted it out, I think, at the deadline, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he said like that, yeah. When I saw that, I wanted to throw my phone into my yard. I was so mad. I'm like, no, rebuild, youth, prospects. You know. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. If if I could, if I could, I would I would trade Chris Kreider to to Edmonton for the pick outright. But Edmonton won't do that. Why would they? You put you you go put Chris Kreider on that same line with McDavid. Yeah, and he's going to show up 50 percent of the time like he does in New York. I mean, even with Kreider, yeah, no, he he just by just by just by pure osmosis, he'd put up 80 points because McDavid is not that, that. That's that that's listen. We like to do that, but it's not how it always turns out. You know what I mean? Uh, look at Luke Robitaille. Look at Luke Robitaille. The guy scored 45 goals everywhere. He scored 45 without Gretzky. He scored 45 with Gretzky. He scored 60 with Gretzky. He goes to Pittsburgh in that half season. He scores on almost 40. He went on pace of 40 goals without Mario. And then he goes to the Rangers and he scores 20. And he well, was that, playing. That, that, but, that, but that's because we have the Rangers luck. That's why. He played with Gretzky the next year. I, I know. I know. Come on. I, I'm telling you. I, I just, I know. I know what the deal is with Kreider. I, I, I think that they should just wait unless they get blown out of the water. I just can't see a team telling their fans and their board of governors and everything like, hey, you know that, that top pick that you know we got in like one of the greatest center drafts in the last 15 years? We're going to trade that for Chris Kreider and then give him a whole lot of money. I, I just can't see that happening. Yeah, we'll you, see. You can't see Edmonton getting getting some pressure because like they've got, the they, they keep they keep going they keep going draft after draft in that top ten and they're not in the playoffs. At, at some point they got to be like, uh, yeah, we yes. got to we got to we got to compete, man. But Ken Holland doesn't work that way. Ken Holland is a, is a Jimmy Devilano disciple. Uh, they, they don't they don't trade picks until they're good. Like they don't they don't Ken Holland. I mean, you could look at his draft history. Neil Smith was the same way. Neil Smith built the Rangers Cup winner through the draft. And then when he became good very quickly, you know, uh, within the matter of his first year, they won their first division in 50-something years. Uh, that's when he started, you know, dealing away picks and prospects to get better. But uh, I think the situation with Edmonton, to me, Buffalo is the one that is really, uh, it's, it's, it's on, it's like that last hinge. They fired the coach. I didn't think he was deserving, but they fired the coach. Uh, yeah, the, he didn't deserve. He didn't deserve to be fired. The Botteril, Botteril is a, is is a new GM, but like, like you know that you have that massive collapse in the second half. I mean, that's got to be on the GM too. He went out, he traded away a first round pick to get Montour. That right. didn't work out. So I could see Buffalo being like, like, dude, we got Deline, we got Eichel, we got Milstadt, we got you know, uh, we got uh, what's his name, uh, Victor uh, Olofsson. They they got a lot of Alex Nylander. They got good prospects. They do. They actually, have, uh, they actually have quite a lot of good prospects. Yes, they do. But but they're not happy in Buffalo. And you talk to Buffalo fans; they want to they want to basically burn that building down. So, well, that's what I'm saying. So I could I I could wonder if pressure would be like, oh, maybe we you know trade our pick for something. And that doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be the Rangers. I'm just I'm just saying. I could see I could see, see Crowder going to Buffalo. Picks. I could see Crowder going to Buffalo. To me, that actually would work out. Uh, but the, again, I think it would it would probably cost more than 
Well, listen, Stepan, actually, you know, yeah, Stepan and Ranta go for seventh overall in D'Angelo. So I guess you could. Yeah, I but could the, see. Thing, the thing was, is that I, I think why Stepan was, was, why his value was higher is because he was signed for so long. So sure, was, sure, sure. You know what I'm and he's so also, like, he's he also had that extent. control. Yeah, he's yeah, also I mean, the, the center does value in it a little too. Yeah, but I think I think him being signed played a little bit more of a role. I think if let's say Kreider, let's say let's say we had him signed for the next three four years, oh man, like his value is tremendous at that point because there's a lot of control there. So I think that I think that plays into a factor. But I think I mean if you if you flip Kreider to to Buffalo, but you have to like entice them by giving them something else. Maybe you well, they have them. assets. They have assets to do that. You could just I mean, listen. Okay, so let's say. Let's say let's let's play uh let's play a hypothetical scenario. We're at the draft, and you know that that trades are made during in the middle of the first round. So like you know while while picks are being announced, trades are being right. made. Right. So it comes down to Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo's picking seven, right? Yeah, so they, they pick right after right after. Uh, all right. So Zegris is on the board. Let's say uh, Boldy's on the board. Dorafiev's on the board. Uh, Doc, they're all on the board still. Uh, and then. The Rangers say, "All right, we got to have our guy. We got to have Boldy. We got to have, you know, Zegris or whomever it is. Uh, you know, do you trade Chris Kreider, uh, let's say, and Keandre Miller, or Chris Kreider and Igor Shesterkin, or like, really, the guys that we love? Yeah. Not all of them. I'm not saying put Kravtsov up there. Uh, and I, unfortunately for Leas, I don't know if he has done enough yet to validate where he was picked." Uh, or Heedle, let's say you could add Heedle into that. So Kreider and Heedle, would you do that pick? Both of you. Kreider and Heedle for eighth overall, or seventh? Eighth or seventh? Yeah. No, no, Edmonton's eighth. So Kreider and Heedle for seventh overall. Oof. Yeah. Well, considering the fact that Kreider is only signed for one more year, and the Rangers are probably not in, uh, not thinking of of keeping him, resigning him. You are basically giving up a Heedle plus one year of Kreider. I would be it's, it's, it, asc- asc- yeah. Essentially, it becomes it becomes that. I'll put to you that the fact that I haven't given you an answer already makes me. Well, okay, so let's let's be fair. Sure. Okay, so so as security uh, for security, you give them a conditional first round pick. So you like a conditional first round pick, um, in 2020, let's say, which could be a high pick, or well, maybe we'll say 2021 to make it fair. 2021 conditional first round pick. Chris Kreider and Philip Heedle to Buffalo for the seventh overall pick. Uh, yeah, you see. Well, well, you know, I would probably do it if there's a if there's another condition, like you know, they, we get like a, a a second if they re-sign Kreider or something. Yeah, I think I think I would like that. I think I'd like another thing on top of that if they keep Kreider, so it makes the Kreider more valuable. But yeah, yeah. I mean, like we're starting to get in that conversation where it makes sense, like. I think if it's if, if they want Kreider and then we give them something else that they feel like they're going to get value at seven for, that they would have gotten value at seven. So it's like because you always got to pay a little higher price for something you want. So you know, it's like not the first just... thing about these conversations though is that for all we know, the like the, the entire Rangers, the Rangers are in love with Byram more than anybody, even though they have a zillion defensemen on the left side. Right. For all we know, they are like we got to get Bo and Byram no matter what. I don't care what it takes. Let's draft Kako number two. But after that. There is no prospect in our system outside of Kravtsov, let's say, or maybe even Kravtsov. I mean, we don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is just how it works. And, they, and I got it. You got to give NHL teams credit. They are so tight-lipped about this. That no, I, I'm just saying. I've I've heard personally that the Rangers are that their guy that they were targeting all year 
was Trevor Zegers. It should be, man. The kid's a, the kid's a stud. <laughs> that's the guy. That's the guy. They actually thought they were going to be picking sixth, and they were hoping Zegers falls to him. Well, that's kind of like what they were thinking. And then they won the and then they won yeah. the, the the draft. And they're like, oh shit, we got Capo Caco. Now I think there I think there's part of that that organization that says, well, can we have Caco and Zegers? Oh my god! Now we can't get too greedy though. Like, no, but I'm saying I think, but that, but but that's how you that's how you turn no. that is how you turn a franchise around quickly. Sure, and they have the assets to do it. They, right, they do. Exactly right. They have the, the picks. They have the prospects. They have the NHL talent, proven talent. So, I oh mean, it's going to be a great time there. Well, I tell you let what. me ask you this: I mean, Buffalo. They, I mean, they have absolutely. Who's their goalie right now? Leonard. No, not Leonard. Um, no, it's uh, Leonard's in 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 in, in uh, on the yeah. Island. Is it is it is it Olmar? No, is it Hutton? Hutton, Hutton, is it? Oh my god, that's terrible. He was good though. He was good until then. He melted down. I think no, it's, I know, but I mean, Hunter he's Hunter, not. He's, Hunter, he's, Hunter. not so, he's not somebody you can trust. So, are you saying Kreider and Gurevian? And, and well, and more and more than that. But I mean, like that. that would make their. You put you put Georgiev and um and Kreider on that team. They're immediately better. Yeah, Carter Hutton. That's his name. All right, I got it right. Uh, yeah, and, and um, uh, Ulmark is their uh, their other goalie who's a restricted free agent this summer. So yeah, so meaning okay. meaning something like Kreider, um, Georgiev, another very good pro. You need now you need and you need another prospect instead. Of okay, okay, I, I have I have one then. If you add Lias Andersson to the deal because he he has played with Rasmus Dahlin in Sweden. I love Swedes. Buffalo loves Swedes. Yep. So Kreider, Kreider, Lias Andersson, and Alexander Georgiev. For eighth overall, and, and no, you gotta throw you gotta throw a pick in there too. So I would give Buffalo fans would be would be pretty livid at that. I could see the I could see the Sabers doing it. Um, uh, to be honest with you, I think Buffalo is one of the teams that has Spencer Knight in their top ten. I think they do. But now the thing is this with goaltending though is that they have uh, what's it called the triple K triple six, uh, Ukapeko Lukanen six K right. what they call him. Right. He's a stud. So if they think that he's going to be their goaltender of the future, then like just add add to that. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, that, well, that, oh, that's why I would say. I mean, Georgia makes sense because it it would be right now. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. Like they, I don't think they'd want a goalie a goalie prospect. Even if they take Spencer Knight, it's going to take time to groom. They're going to no matter what. It's going to take a couple of years. Yeah, it's, but it's trending differently though. Goalies are trending differently now. You look at uh, Carter Hart, Di Pietro. Even though he got smoked in his only game. The teams are more willing to go back to the 80s and 90s where they're going to have goalies play early now. They're not going to wait for them anymore. Mm-hmm. Some teams will, but I think that when you talk to the goalie types around the, the, the world, Europe too, they are so high on night. It's almost like he's like Michael Jordan of goalies. They, they are so in love with him that I could see a team drafting him and having him in like Brodeur, you know, Brodeur debuted against us in the playoffs in 92. It was like right. game four, some random game. Uh, he went, you know, obviously I think he spent the next year in Binghamton or wherever the heck the Devils farm team was back then. Um, and then he, he started out in 94 and the rest is history. So I, I think teams are going to go back to that. You're going to see more goalies taken early if there, if there's some elite ones. You know, you got the two big ones uh, next year, the Askarov, but um, oh, the Swedish kid. Is it uh, Soderblom? I forgot his name. Anyway, uh, yeah, they have, they have a lot of good goalies. So, I think it, when teams are going to be drafting for goalies, I, I, they're looking at maybe a two-year develop, developmental period. So um, the Rangers have a lot of goalies, though. So they, 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 from if you look at the league, it's, it's such a problem everywhere. 
The Rangers is a, huge, is a huge problem. It's a huge problem with a huge, lot of teams. Huge. It's, a pro- it's a problem in Buffalo. It's a problem four in, division in winners. Four division winners got eliminated in the first round. Yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's never happened before. Now, you can't blame the goalies entirely, but, you know, Calgary, you know, Mike Smith was— Cal- Calgary needs a goalie so bad, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Like, that team, that, that is a team that is a good goalie away from making a serious run. Yeah, the sad thing was is that Smith was probably their best player in that series. It was so bad. Um, oh, we, we, we got to convince Henrik to uh, to wave. Then I guess I don't know. We'll we'll see. I don't know. But let's let, all right. So let's 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 let's. Leave. I, I think we I think we've definitely gotten to a point where we you know regardless of whether the Rangers make that trade or not, made not not say we've come up with any ideas. But I think Buffalo is a team that could be a target for a trade. And yeah. I definitely want to, you know, I, I like talk about it a little bit more because I think that there, like, there's the thing is, is that seventh pick. If Buffalo was willing to trade it for something, the Rangers have a have a plethora of assets they can trade for that pick. So, having said that, it's definitely a discussion now whether we want to do that trade or not. If it's players like Heedle or Kravstov or uh, next year's first, I mean, there's so many different you know, things that we could offer. It, now, we might not want to do it, but we definitely have the ammunition to make a deal like that happen. We can actually add Jimmy Vesey because he's already oh been God. linked to them. Speaking of, yeah, speaking of, I mean, Buffalo wants him. Buffalo does want him. So, I mean, heck, add him to the package too. We got to get Burnmeister to come up with a trade. Vesey for Eichel and the seventh pick. Oh, my, <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, we, have to, we have to acquire Nathan McKinnon so we can put Zibanejad on the right wing, you know. There you go. Oh, <laughs> Uh, no, but, but see, I mean, if we're going to trade with a team like Buffalo, then it's going to be quantity going their way and quality coming our way. Because there's no reason the Rangers would trade for a package of, you know, would trade for quantity. Yeah. Uh, the eighth overall pick, that yeah, makes sense. Um, is Buffalo willing to give it up for Kreider and, I don't know, Kreider and VZ and, and, and Georgiev and something else? I don't know. I think if you give them three, four NHL players, it would mean more to them than to a team that's currently in the middle of a rebuild. Yeah. And plus, right. the fact- and I, I think there's, but I do think you need to at least to sell to the fan base, you need to give them one future. It could be, I don't know what it is, but you have to give them one future thing. Now, it could be something like a, like we said, like it could be a Nils Lindquist. It could be a Keandre Miller. It could be, like that is not out of the realm of possibility. You give them one yeah. future on top of a package just to sell it and put it over the top. I just don't know whether I want to do that or not. I have no idea, but this is, it's an interesting conversation because if Zegers is there at seven, I think, it's, I think this is a conversation that's not unrealistic at all. Well, yeah, uh, is, is that um, they've accumulated so many prospects, like you're not going to have any room for them. So when the contract limit comes into play, uh, obviously the depth chart comes into play, contracts at the NHL level come into play, salary cap comes into play. So yeah, we got Lindgren, we got Recall, we got Keandre, we got Nils, we got Adam Fox, we, you know, we got Tormo, like all these great prospects, right? Or the, these developing prospects, Hayek. Like you should keep going on and on and on. At some point, though, you, you got to start making some room and start giving these kids away. So it's it's definitely reasonable to think that the Rangers are going to make offers to teams for those high picks. Uh, and at the same time, like, yeah, the pressure's on a team like Rangers, but like well, Buffalo, the, the pressure is really on them. I mean, they are, that fan base is just done. Uh, and sooner or later, they're going to stop going to the games. And, and that's going to be – that's the, always the, the number one sign that the GM is going to lose his job is that people just aren't going to games anymore. And you know, because Buffalo people love hockey, that you can only hold on to that for so long. 
right. they have another bad season, you're going to have season tickets canceled, things like that. So, um, you know, you look at some teams that have won cups or challenged with the Cubs. They've made some pretty big deals and given away prospects to do it. The trade right. deadline has worked for teams. And the thing, and the for- thing is, if you're, if, if, and if you're Jeff Gordon, you know, these are the kind of teams you want to target. <clears throat> Excuse me. You want to target teams that, you know, for lack of, for, for lack of like, I don't, I don't want to be, you know, too critical, but teams that, you know, you got some GMs that are on their last yeah. you know, dying breath. You know, I hate saying it, but like, it's that you know, reality. before, right. Before, you know, who was kicked out of Edmonton. I was basically like, let's just, just keep, just keep giving, you know, keep giving Shirelli a call. Keep calling him. Just keep calling him. He'll give yeah. you something for free. Because he's, he knows he's going to lose his job. He made some puzzling moves before he got fired, too. The, <laughs> the, to say, go, like, the goalie move, uh, signing the, the, the goalie extension. Um, oh, uh, Koskinen. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then Ryan, he trades Ryan Strom for Ryan Spooner, demotes him, like he passes waivers, demotes him to Bakersfield, and then trades him for Sam Gagne, who he let go in the first place a few years ago. It's- this is why I love about the blogosphere and why I love people like us and people like all the fans out there that have the fan blogs and whatever's because we keep track of this stuff. We're not <laughs> stupid. We don't have, we don't have corporate masters. We can yeah. literally like track every move a GM makes. And when they make it, it's like, no, you were stupid. Like, what are you doing? I'll never forget when, when Chiarelli traded the Barzil pick for, uh, Griffin, Griffin Reinhardt. Griffin Reinhardt, yeah. I, I, I tweeted, I said, Chirelli is an idiot. I and then, just, that's and, all I tell you. How about Larson. Adam Larson for Taylor Hall? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> who did you trade Jordan Everly away for? Was it was that Ryan Strom? It was Ryan Strom. Ryan Strom. And then, <laughs> so he basically traded away Jordan Everly for uh, a half a season of, uh, what's his name, Spooner. So, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, listen, he, he could do TV now or be in a, a, a an advisor somewhere, I don't know, but no, uh, I want, I want, I want, I know, I want him to continue to be in the, the GM of Edmonton. So I don't think Botterill though is going to be that desperate. I think I think Botterill has a good relationship with the Pagulas, and I, I think they they're going to let him. They understand that they have something special with Deline and Eichel. Right. Um, but so, they need they need more than and they added Brandon Montour, who's a good defenseman, except when he plays against Kako. But. Um, you know, he's he needs to add some more pieces to that team. You cannot just have Eichel, Darlene, and, and Reinhardt. Well, here's you the thing. To- here's the thing that you look at their last, the first round picks after, besides Darlene and Eichel, and Reinhardt's pretty good, but Middlestat hasn't, I mean, he's shown something, but nothing really major just yet. And Nylander, who I loved, uh, still hasn't really shown it just mm-hmm. yet. So yeah. I think that, I think maybe what they're saying is let's listen. They, they, they I, I love Victor Olofsson, seventh round pick. The kid's going to score probably 25 goals next year. Um, th- those kids, they're going to give him a chance. But at the same time, listen, giving Skinner that kind of money, my goodness, they, they are going to try to go for it. I think you can. I mean, and, and that was the thing that I said is that the Skinner contract really just screamed to me, okay, we're going to try yeah. to. Like, like last year, we, we got off to a hot start. We're better than we played. We're better. We're better than our standings. That's what they think, and yeah. I think there's some truth to that. I think that they're good, and I think the thing is, is you know, a few more pieces here and there probably puts them in the mix and gets them in the in the playoffs. You get in the playoffs, you're you know, you're this year's Carolina Hurricanes. You know what I mean? And, like, I, I, it, it, the, your fortunes change rather fast. So, and that saves an entire franchise. So, it does not surprise me if they say. Do we, at seven, do we take a kid that we got to groom for three years, or do you know that who and who knows in three years, 
or we might, who knows if I'll even have this job in three years. So yeah. maybe they make a move. I, I don't know. So it's, it's, I just think that those are the interesting teams you got to look at a team like that, or, you know, I hate saying it, but like too bad Arizona is not in the mix. You know, Montreal, like Montreal is always a team that I used to target of like, we always think we're good. And even if we're bad, you know? So um, regarding Buffalo, which contract is worse? Is it eight years for Skinner at nine million or four years for Ocposo at six? Four years for Ocposo. <laughs> um, well, Ocposo, yeah. I mean, he actually had some periods last year where he was pretty good. And maybe pride kicked in and he, he decided to, to be the, the player that he was on the island. Is it? But uh, it was in spurts. Yeah. So I, I think that the at Skinner. Least Skinner was, at, least, at least Skinner could put, could put, could put up 30 goals, though. Yeah, Four, yeah, I think, 40, so. I think. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, well I'm saying like I, I could contract years, so you got to factor in. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, Okposo reminds me of VZ in a you know in the way that if you know beforehand which two weeks of the season is going to be good, you're gonna be you're gonna be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but he's just there's just no consistency there. And yeah, yeah. I mean, the the rest of their team, they have Connor Sherry and Sabotka, and yeah, like you said, you know, Middlestat and. Jurgensen's, they, they really need some some middle six guys to, to you know to to add some depth to that top line, which, which makes the, sense why they're interested in Jimmy VZ. So yeah, Jimmy VZ on and we, we discussed this earlier. Jimmy VZ on, on on another team in the NHL is actually a good middle six player. On the third line, having Jimmy VZ is not a bad thing. It's just that the Rangers are in a position where he's taking away a spot from a prospect. Yeah, who, and, who and the Rangers also play. have a lot of middle six guys, so it's it's yeah. fine. You guys are being very nice to Jimmy VZ. I'll just I'll just say it, Dad. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I'm not I'm not I'm not the biggest Jimmy VZ fan in the world. All I'm saying is that he's he's he's, he's, he's serviceable. Fine, he's serviceable. He, exactly. But the yeah. Rangers have enough players. Where I'm like, my thing is, if somebody comes on and says, "I'll give you a second round pick for Jimmy VZ," I'm like, "Okay, great, take him," because I can find another bottom six player. I don't I don't you know a bottom six player is easily findable as opposed to. You know, maybe maybe in the second round, I, I find a stud that becomes you know the next thirty goal scorer. I'd rather take yeah. my chances. Yeah, there. Jimmy VZ is more valuable to other teams than he is to us. Oh, I sure, agree. exactly. Um, so having said that, let's let's close this out. Um, uh, so one more question though, because okay. we we didn't do that at the start of the. Uh, oh oh yeah yeah right right forgot about that. So uh, Steve, and this must, it must be annoying for Greg to address Steve and Steve during a podcast for for an hour. It and is a half. A, it is a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so uh, uh, Steve, uh, would you would you like to tell us something about yourself and how you became a Rangers fan? Oh well, uh, I mean, I didn't have cable. Brooklyn Brooklyn was like one of the last places to get cable. It seemed like in the 1980s. Uh, so uh, you know, I wasn't. I guess my family tried to make me an Islander fan and they bought me the Jersey. I had a bossy Jersey, uh, like 79. So I was like, like about four years old. Uh, but, um, no, I mean, I just, you know, I was a huge, obviously sports fan, a Yankees fan, a Giants fan, a Knicks fan, St. John's. Those are my teams. So I always considered myself a Rangers fan. And then in the early eighties, is when I just started watching the games on TV, uh, and then really started watching them a lot when they were on channel nine. Um, you know, so, well, it just it, it it happened instantly. I the 1985-86 uh, season to me was the start. So I was about 10 years old, maybe 11 years old, uh, where they they were I guess mediocre, but I loved Van Beesbrook. He was my favorite guy. And mm-hmm. then you know they had that magical playoff run. I was going to my friend's house to watch the games because he had MSG and ESPN. 
And that was it. I mean, after that, it just took off. And uh, the, the, the big thing for me, though, was, was Brian Leach. That, to me, Brian Leach made me an obsessive Ranger fan because uh, I was always into prospects and international hockey. I loved the Canada Cups, the 81 Canada Cup I watched, the 84 Canada Cup I watched. So uh, when the Olympics were going to be in Calgary in 88, I, I wanted to you know learn about it, and I bought a Sports Illustrated, and it, it talked about uh, Brian Leach, a kid that I was familiar of because he was a Ranger draft pick and uh, played at Boston College, and I saw some games uh, with that. And my friend, my my friend, he was always inviting me. That's how I watched the games. That's how it worked out. So long story short, is that's pretty much it. I just like a regular kid playing street hockey. We we all played roller hockey, and you know, most of us were Ranger fans, and then that. You know Neil Smith taking over in '89. That that signaled like the change. Mm. Where, you know, as because Phil Esposito was terrible. We all didn't like him. He fired uh, Bergeron before the playoffs. Uh, you know, he made so many horrible trades. Uh, you know, Craig Patrick was the guy that really built the team. If you, I'm, I didn't think this way back in '85 and '86. I'm just saying, you know, in retrospect. Uh, but uh, to to me, the the rebuilding that Neil Smith did and Started with Craig Patrick, but more Neil Smith. It really saved the franchise because they were just stuck in that rut, that that mediocre rut. They couldn't beat the Islanders, they couldn't beat the Flyers, they couldn't beat anybody. Mario Lemieux was toying with them, and uh, so I, I developed a really, really dedicated, loving relationship with them. Uh, and then, you know, I just I, after winning the Cup in '94, which was the greatest moment of my life outside of, I guess getting married and having my kids, uh, you want it again. And you, uh, so I became a lot, a lot more critical and a lot more jaded and a lot more angry. And then they don't make the playoffs mm-hmm. for seven years. And uh, so, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's not easy being a Ranger fan. Uh, but overall, they, they mean the world to me. They're, they're number one to me. And my daughters keep asking me, Daddy, well, wouldn't be problem Predators fans? You're always yelling at the Rangers. And I said, well... <laughs> I said, not yet, you know, but then the, the Caco thing obviously was just, it's just a great day for the franchise. But I think more for us, I think we deserve it more than the team, more than the owner, more than the arena. The fans deserved it. Like we never had this. We never nope. had it. Nope. And I'm hoping that we don't put pressure on them to deliver. I hope that we're, and I'm saying this to all Ranger fans, whether they listen to this or not, and I'm going to say it on draft night is just be patient. Like they're going to be growing pains. Joe mm-hmm. Thornton had like eight points his rookie year. Owen Nolan had like six goals his rookie year. You're not going to have a guy come right think I think Kako will. But you, know, you just have to uh, enjoy the process, I guess. And we can't be typical New Yorkers and you know boo the kid if he's not shooting on the power play and the team stinks. Remember, we booed Messier in 93. We were booing him. So, uh, and then we, you know, we stopped booing him after that. But... Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, for all the, the, the shit that I talk about, the Rangers and, you know, Gordy Clark and all them, I'm not stupid. I know it's not an easy job. I know that they, they put in the work, they travel, they, they spend time away from their families and things like that. And so I just, I just want them to win. That's it. I just want them to win. I want them to win like the Yankees won. I want them to win like the Giants used to win. That's all I want to see. I'm I'll tired t- of Boston I'll, I'll tell you winning. one thing, Steve, before we go real quick, is when you're talking about, you know, it's for the fans, it's Capo Caco thing. Do, I don't know when you get a chance when when after we're done recording you should uh, take a look that you know you know uh, um, how big of a Ranger fan Boomer Esiason is right so sure 
he actually he actually bought a Capo Caco jersey. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, if Boomer buys so, a Caco jersey, then it's, his source is a, a good and solid, and he's going to go to the Rangers then. So he he he's got the Caco jersey already. You know, he's already. It's his Father's Day gift. He got a Caco jersey. So he's, oh, he's, cool. he's already he's got Caco with twenty four, and he's ready to rock and roll. Oh no! I really want Caco to play with fifty four then. Just, <laughs> just to <laughs> just to annoy all the people who, who went ahead and already got their Kako jersey. But yeah, Adam McQuaid, they'll, 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 they'll give him twenty four. Uh, twenty four makes sense. I mean, the the player who's using it right now, Bunyevis, he he's you know, and th- this is what happens. You know, when when I think it was Scott Darling who went to Carolina, he wanted a specific number, and the player who had the number said, "Well, you know, if you pay for my dinner, then I'll, I'll give it to you," or something like that. Right. You know, hockey players always find a a a very a, a funny way of dealing with it, and and usually it ends up on social media. So it'll be fun to see what happens. John Cruck, John Cruck uh, got told a funny story. I think it was on Letterman or something back in the nineties, where he was talking about, "Hey, you hear these players getting fifty thousand dollars for uh, a jersey swapping?" He's like, "I got a case of beer." So you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there was a player on. I think it was the Oilers. Who uh, uh, there was a player who gave up his number and he got a Rolex from the. Oh wow! <laughs> you know what? I, you know what? I, you know what I find funny sometimes is, is why certain players pick certain numbers. Oh uh, yeah, I mean uh, this is one of the things I asked Vitaly Krovtsov when I first met him. You know, I asked him why do you wear number four, or number seventy four, and and I don't know if Steve knows this, but um, in in Russia every region or oblast has a certain code on the car's license plate. And the Chelyabinsk Oblast has number 74. Nice. And, and when Kravtsov was six years old, six or seven years old, he moved from Vladivostok to Chelyabinsk with his mom and sister while his dad stayed behind in Vladivostok. And uh, That's he a, a long trip. His, and he noticed as a kid that his grandma's car had a different number on the license plate compared to his dad's car. So that's why that number uh, 74 has always been a part of him because of that. So That's interesting. That's, that's nice. Is, that that, is I, think, I think doesn't Hedl have like a some uh, uh, uh too, right? Yeah, he was seventy two because that's the year his dad was born. Yeah, and then of course you had Peter Nedved who uses ninety three because that's the year he was granted Canadian citizenship after defecting from Czechoslovakia in eighty eight. Yeah. He played on the Canadian. He played on the Canadian Olympic team at the, I think the ninety four Olympics in uh, was it Lillehammer? Lillehammer, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so 93 is the number he uses because that's the year his uh, his new life started. And Jager plays with number 68 because that's the year of the Prague Spring where with the uprising against the Soviet Union. Right. Well, yeah, the Jager, the Jager one I think is the most famous story. Yeah. 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 But I like this stuff, you know. I'm a numbers guy. If if a guy tells me that he uses a certain number for a specific reason, I love that, st- that stuff. And I asked Niels Lundqvist about it as well because he played with nine for Sweden and 27 for Lulio. And I asked him, and he's like, oh, it's just a number that they gave me. I don't really care. So <laughs> I was a bit disappointed. But, hey, you know, not every player has a, has a, has a nice, cool story about the jersey number they have. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, great show, guys. Thanks for everyone from coming on. So, Steve, uh, so before we, we you know, uh, get going with the rest of the show and uh, wrap it up, Please give everyone your your Twitter handle, all your information, where they can find you, and all that stuff. For the one or two fans that don't know him yet, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for, um, for the for the two people who have no idea who you are. No, come on, stop. Uh, it's uh, it's at the draft analyst on Twitter, at the draft analyst on Instagram. Instagram, you know what? My Instagram account is is not all that active, but a lot of capo goals are on there because 
if you use the, you know, sometimes when you when you do screen recordings on an iPhone, at least my old ass iPhone, it doesn't really do that well. But when you when you use the Liga or is it the uh, the, the Telia app on Telia, the iPhone, yeah. you get such a clean, perfect uh, screen recording without any background noise. So oh, nice. uh, I got tons of Caco videos on there. Uh, if you want to go check it out. Also, the, the, the podcast that I do, the Draft Analyst podcast is on SoundCloud and iTunes. I haven't done one in a zillion years because I've been so busy. Uh, but the, the main thing is the draft blog, thedraftanalyst.com. I also do, uh, I'm going to do a couple of pieces this week for Sporting News. Follow them at SN underscore uh, NHL. And then my draft guide's out. Uh, it's five yeah, bucks. Def- definitely get this guy. It's, 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 167 pages, I think. Uh, 97,000 words. You get 250 scouting reports. Uh, 31 team previews. Uh, each team gets a page, a page uh, preview, top 250 rankings, uh, 2020 preview, top 31, uh, you know, and a two round mock draft. And uh, I think that's pretty much it. So, yes, five bucks. If you want to go, just head over to the website. It goes right through PayPal and uh, easy peasy lemon squeezy. Yeah, no, I just want to reiterate on the um, on the draft report, man. Like, I bought it last year, bought it this year. Like, it's it's awesome. Like, if you're somebody that likes watching the uh, the NHL draft, it's cool. Like, even if it's and I and this is the fun part about it for me, anyways. Like, because I just I, I I love hockey. Like, even not for the Rangers. Like, someone like like later on, like like someone will take a player, and I'm just like, maybe I don't know a little bit too much about him, so I'll just go like I read a little blog about him. I'm like, oh, okay, so I have a kind of an idea. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's fun if you love hockey and. As yeah. much as I'm a Ranger fan, I'm also a hockey fan. So well, like, here's the thing: is like I, I can't guarantee that every all 217 kids picked uh, in the draft, or all the kids that the Rangers pick in the draft, are going to be in the guide. I tried to cover as many bases as I could. Usually, my rankings are pretty spread out evenly. You know, distributed evenly, where you have uh, Russian kids, uh, SHL, uh, you have Finland, you have U.S. high school, you have NCAA. Well, not NCAA, but uh, Canadian Hockey League, USHL, things like that. So, uh, you know, I tried my best to give so, you know, we, we, I grew up with the hockey news and their scouting reports pretty much stopped at 60. Uh, and so I felt like I wanted more, and, but I didn't want to pay, you know, 90 bucks for like one of the other guys that were out there. So I figured why not just do the work myself and, and uh, give one man's opinion on the prospect. So, you know, if, if, if you buy the guy and, and uh, you, you know, all seven of your team's picks or five teams of your picks, uh, weren't in the guide. I, I can't help that, but I think it's to give you a general idea of where the kids are going to go, uh, and you know what their uh, what what kind of skills they offer. Because remember, scouting reports are going to differ. Like some kids think a guy's shot is elite, some guys think a guy's shot is okay. Um, but again, each scouting report is about one to two paragraphs long. Some cases, three paragraphs. So uh, go check it out, draftanalyst.com. All right, cool, cool. Thanks, man. All right, guys, have a good night. All right, All right. good night, man. Bye, bye.